Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Happy Monday. Monday. Football back Monday. College football starts this weekend Monday. Week zero, but the games and the stats count Monday. Interesting, confusing, but it's back Monday. Bearcat football not playing in week zero, but week one. So still confusing, which means it's Monday as well. A Monday following the conclusion of year one with Coach Scott Satterfield at Camp Higher Ground in fall camp. Year one in the books of the new staff, including, you know, a, a very familiar friend of the BCJ and the BBP, who is going to get ready to tell us everything about year one there in beautiful Indiana in the woods, Camp Higher Ground. Year one, ready to fire up with EKU. Less than 10 days away, less than 14 days away, two weeks away. I, I don't know the exact number because I can't count because I'm excited too much. It's also a Monday where we get to continue to talk about everything happening in the NFL when it comes to the Bearcats, everything happening with Coach Wes Miller as they get ready for another season, year one in the Big 12. And, of course, it's a Monday where I get to welcome in my guys and my pals. That's right. We've got two of them that are recurring all the time here. That, that are back ready to talk. And then we've got one special that I've already hinted at. And then another that is doing the volleyball thing for now and should be bouncing in here really soon. So without further ado, time to welcome on Aaron Smith, Ryan Royer, and the man, the myth, the legend, Nico Palazzetti. Gentlemen, how are we? How are we? me a couple of times in that intro, man. I'm, I'm good, though. Man. <laughs> 110 second intro. My goodness. Words are twisted with football being back. College football's back, man. It's back. It's I love it. Inject me, inject that right here, baby. Week I, zero, I man. How, how confusing is week zero? I, I it's it's one of the more Dumb. confusing things out there. It's like it's purgatory. Like, it's all it's an awful place to be. I hate it. I mean, you know what the primetime game is here on week zero, right? What uh what ESPN has has picked as their primetime game. 7 o'clock kickoff, UMass versus New Mexico State. That is what we have to look forward to here on week zero. Oh man. That is, hey, football's back. I don't care. I don't two, care. Two primetime football schools right there. Hey, baby. <laughs> the Minutemen and the Aggies. Whew. The Northeast. The Northeast <laughs> of New Mexico. It's it's nuts. It's nuts, but it's but it's it's football and it's back. So I I'm, I'm going to go around the circle as always, but I'm going to skip this the special man to my right left. However you look at it here on the screen, Royer, how are we, man? How are we? I'm good, man. Had a good weekend. Yeah. You know, I'm always excited when when the man Nico's on. So can't wait to dig into it. Let's go, baby. Getting, yeah, football's getting close. It is. I can feel it. it. Feel it in the veins. Aaron, how are we? I'm good. Went to the uh, ATP tournament this weekend on Saturday, I guess. Um, caught a little, little tennis action on a, a little, little date night with Rachel. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty much the highlight of my weekend. Epic final last night, by the way. ATP, baby. Alcaraz said he loves Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. He quoted it. I have the video. Let's plaster that all over social media. This guy loves Cincinnati. The Bearcats said it. So uh, well, hopefully yeah. they keep the tournament instead of letting it go to Charlotte. So oh, I think it's over. I think they lost it. Is it is it officially? 
yeah, done? I, apparently one guy bought it. Like he paid for it or something. I don't remember who was telling me this. It, whoever told me it was definitely right, and I'm 100% confident that there's no way they could have been bullshitting me. That <laughs> mythical man just speaking yeah. truth. Someone <laughs> said it, so it's got to be true. <laughs> I read about it on the internet. It, it's got to be true. But uh, hey, man, we got to say, welcome back to to a beautiful location that we've seen you before. You weren't there for two weeks. I was not. Weeks. You you weren't be able to go back to your humble abode, sleep in your humble bed, or or I don't know if you did between practices. But without further ado, man, welcome back. Getting ready. Less than two weeks away. EKU on the mind. Yes. Nico Palazzetti, how are we, man? I am humbled to be here. What an introduction, dude. I'm fired up. And uh, no, I slept I slept at higher ground. I wouldn't sell out. I don't care. I don't care. I, I refuse to sell out. In fact, one day we had a scrimmage. We had a scrimmage um, on campus on a Saturday. And then the next, sat- the next Sunday, obviously, we had to travel back. And I woke up that Sunday morning in my bed next to my wife and children. And I said, this is terrible. Get me back to Indiana right now. I hated it. Let's go. I, I understand that you actually listen to this. <laughs> I understand yeah, you she... actually wanted to have a, a room permanent. I, that's that's what I heard. I've been told that suite 104 is reserved for me forever. So oh, uh, I, uh, I made some friends there. I love it there. It is. Well, I mean, we'll get into stories, but uh, it is a special place. And 104, man, I'll tell you what, those walls could speak. It'd be pretty boring. It would just be me sleeping. But I'll tell you what, it was it was pretty eventful. The head man always got his own room. But do you ever hear the stories about um, – Bellino and Higgins down at higher ground with the <laughs> No, Everybody I need to hear something. Their door was always locked. Their door was always locked and <laughs> they wouldn't come out all night. They just, I don't know what they were doing. That door was locked. The curtains were sealed shut. <laughs> duct taped closed. Yeah, duct tape, man. It was, was kind of weird. We just wanted to play Euchre with them. They're like, we're going back to the room. Don't bother us. I'm like, all right. It's, it's a bonding time for them, yeah. It's a lot of dude. Think about the, the smells <laughs> yeah. and the girth in oh, that room. Higgs, Unbelievable. The things Higgs' body produces, man, you know. <laughs> Danny loved it, though. He was all about it. I loved it, too. It was good. It was a, it was a great experience. But it, it is good to be back on campus. It's good to got a practice day on campus. So it feels, feels right. Week zero is in full effect. Kind of getting the, getting it rolling, and we what twelve days out now. So fired up, man. Yeah, I I was fired up too. Got a little tongue tied there in the intro, but you know, one person that's not tongue tied ever is is our boy Danco Joe at Danco Transmission. And I don't care. I tell you what, man, he can he can get everything right. He can, he can solve my uh, my my excitement, my constant blur for uh, what's going to happen on Saturday as we get ready to usher in the college football season, but. Because we have Nico Palazzetti on, Danco Joe, the man, decided to shout us out and give us one big, massive opportunity right before college football starts up. This is what Danco Joe said. In honor of special guest Nico Palazzetti on tonight's BBP, there is going to be a free standard oil change for any BCJ member who shows up this week 
calls in, stops in, and shouts out saying, Nico sent me. You got to say, Nico sent me. Offer expires on August 28th. Also, any BCJ members doing any maintenance or repairs over 200 bucks will receive a free classic BCJ trucker hat. Wow, supplies last, but you got to say, Nico sent me. Nico sent me. Shouts to Danco Joe. That's big time. That's huge. I need an oil change. I'm going. Go. <laughs> I'm saying, Go. I sent myself. Unbelievable. Joe, Joe will hook it up. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Only and the then he'll take you. Do, do you like Mexican, Nico? Uh, I do. <laughs> I absolutely do. All right, Joe, you're listening. Hook Nico up. Take him to the Mexican spot, and you'll uh, you'll you'll have a good time. Royer went there. I went yeah. there. Aaron, I don't think if you you've had over to to see Joe yet. No. Not yet. I've been twice okay. now, man. Danko's the best. He's hey. They, they know what they're doing over there. But for this week and this week only, say, Nico sent me. There you go. Joe, we got you. Danco Transmission and Auto Care. It's a big hookup right there. Big hookup. Get your week zero fixings needed. Lock it in. Lock it in. But let's dive right into it. Nico, I've got to open up because this is going to be a question that I'm sure everyone wants to ask and everyone wants to hear. So I'm going to get this one out of the way first. How was the food at Camp Higher Ground, and what was your favorite dish? Uh, food was elite. Service was even better. Um, just unbelievable people who take so much passion in, in what they do and, and the service they provide, man. It's just such generous volunteer people. I mean, it was awesome. It was an incredible experience. Uh, opening night was steak. I think it was sirloin. I'm almost positive. Uh, fried shrimp. Uh, baked potato, I believe it was, and uh, a steamed uh, vegetable little conglomerate of, of veggies of color. So I threw that on there. I would say that was oh, in a roll, of course, carb load. Uh, it was uh, it was elite. And then they had this like ice cream. I thought it was like a like a like a whipped cream cake or something like that with coconut. So I of course I'm not gonna pass up dessert. So I grab I grab it thinking it's like whipped cream coconut. And it was an ice cream cake, and it sent me, dude. It sent me to the moon and back. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I was so jacked up. I was losing my composure because it's like day three. I was losing my. I'm like, this is ice cream. They're like, I know. Like, I'm like, no, 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 guys. This is ice cream. This isn't coconut. This is ice cream. So I was all jacked up. So that it was. It was a really. To, <laughs> not to elaborate too much, but it was a great experience. They probably Jeez, thought you were take crazy. Months. <laughs> yeah. He must be losing it already. Day three is when the mind starts to go a little bit, you know. Yeah. That's what they say. That's yeah. pretty day three, four is when you're like, holy shit, I'm here. I'm not going home. And it's 9 p.m. and I'm waking up at six. And it's just like, <laughs> but they got the good the ice cream cake though. It kind of it wipes away the pain for a couple hours, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it stops the tears momentarily. Yeah. Yeah, your brain's telling you it's coconut, and he's like, no way. <laughs> Royer, was, is, is that consistent for you? Would you say the steak night was your favorite? The the steak night, boy, I'm trying to think. That's the. I feel like when we went there, the steak night and the shrimp was the first night. It was. We, I, yeah, and then they had the frick, the, like, the apple pie turnover ice cream with the 
cinnamon sauce. That's the best. That's gotta be. What's up, I dude? love that. Yeah. Hey, what about the me and Chad and I always we go crazy for the croissant Monterey chicken sandwich with the ranch. Oh, dude. The bacon in the ranch. I gotta act like Chad. Not yep. outside of it, in the ranch. In That's it. exactly how Chad would say it. <laughs> We've talked about it like five times now. <laughs> Chad's spider sense of- is going off. He's going to pop in yeah. any second now. <laughs> what did you think of that? <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was my favorite lunch by far. And then they would always have like some type of cookie to go. I would just grab like a yeah. handful of stuff. It was wild, dude. It was, it was delicious. I gained back about five pounds. I'm just gonna keep climbing. Hopefully, I get to 285 by the end of the season. Just roll me around, dude. That's my goal. You'd be Felino. You'd be looking like um, Bobby from The Sopranos, man. (laughs) You'd be looking the part there with Uncle Jim. Jowls. So, what were your impressions then of the actual facility itself? You have your whole workout room is in a barn essentially out there. And, uh, what, what did, what did you, what were your takeaways there? See, that's, I think that's the beauty of higher ground because yes, it's rustic and it's removed and you feel isolated and it's, it's the ultimate breeding ground for culture development and team bonding. But like the facilities in itself are, are elite, like way more than you would get at a, at a, at another facility that you would try to mimic that. Like, the field is great. You have basically a field and a half, turf, brand new turf, relatively brand new turf. Uh, yes, we had to pack up a lot of our weight room and bring it over. But what we did was we bought a bunch of like temporary racks, like racks are very mobile uh, and able to move. And we just have, we'll have them all stored out there. And so we'll use those for bowl games. So we made a little investment there, but it saved us a bunch of time. Um, I mean, we were pretty bare bones. I mean, it, it was dumbbells barbells a couple machines just for injury modify so we had a whole great setup we tried to expand it the best we could um locker room and the best part is it's all there so it's all kind of isolated and you can from a from a meal standpoint from a recovery standpoint from an attendance standpoint i mean there's nothing that makes me more happy than kicking in a door that some guy that overslept and grabbing them and pulling them out like what a rush that was so like that's the thing you get at higher ground that you don't get at other places so yes you get all those things but from a facility standpoint we we didn't skip a beat with our training we didn't have to modify a thing we got everything we wanted to get out of training guys had a great attitude and we trained hard man today was our first day back training and our bench press, our bench press numbers are above where we expected them to be, just because guys were able to maintain that strength levels throughout. So, from a performance standpoint, I think that everyone talks about like about like the the, the isolation and everything about higher ground. But for me, I was like, yes, you get that, but also you get an elite level performance center and you get a good feel to it. Like you don't miss a beat from a training standpoint at all. Let's kind of dive in a little bit more team wise, uh, you know, whether it be individual players or, you know, whether it be certain position groups or the team as a whole, what kind of has been like your biggest surprise now that Camp Higher Ground and Fall Camp wrapped up? You know, obviously you were with them through through summer, with them, you know, through the spring and, and winter, the set and the other. What exactly has been one thing that's kind of been like, wow, that's kind of surprising me up to this point now that Fall Camp's through? I think the wide out position group, I think how much they reloaded um you know i i love that people are are it's it's natural to think that 
you know, we're not going to, we're going to struggle offensively just because of the returning starter number and all that stuff. But when you watch our offense click and you see just the offensive firepower that we have and how many different, like we have elite level guys, we have elite level speed and we have guys of great skill. And you saw watching them kind of come together and watching them kind of develop a, a personality and a, and a swagger, if you will. And like on film, I mean, I mean, yeah, they'd have, we'd have, we got wide outs that can burn, man. We have deep balls and bombs and we watch it on film and you can just see them kind of growing and growing in an attitude and they, they coach each other hard. They're very supportive of each other. And that's something you get at higher ground. You get guys that spend a lot of time together. And so watching that group kind of really develop chemistry was really exciting. Watch the offense kind of come together. Um, the O-line kind of finding the, the their groove and guys really excelling, like, Thought John Williams, D'Artagnan Tinsley had a great camp. Like a whole line kind of really coming together was cool to see. Um, Emery had a really solid camp, did a lot of electrifying things with his feet, which, you know, he's athletic, but watching him really this fall camp, I'm like, holy cow, this guy can, this guy's going to make some play. So defense, you know what you got. Defense, you know, you can, that's such a solid fixture, but watching the offense kind of develop a, uh, an attitude and a confidence and, and really start to, to hone in. And, and it was really exciting to kind of watch those pieces form each practice. Uh, let's stay in that room then wide receiver room. Okay. Uh, obviously Braden Smith is, is a name that kind of has just taken off. Uh, talk about him a little bit further and then roll into talking about Evan Prater and the position change that he's made, how he's adapted to that. And then on top of that kind of, if you've had to tweak his workout scheme or workout regiment to kind of fit the, the new position and, and kind of mold his body to a little bit more of a wide out rather than quarterback. Yeah. So well, Braden, Braden is as twitched up as any athlete I've coached. He's just, we, he gained, he's gained about a bunch of weight. He came in and he was about 175, 176. He said he'd always played under 180. And I laughed at him. I said, well, you're not going to play in the NFL then. And so that's just not realistic. Like just the position he plays, he needs to gain weight. And he gained, he's about 183 to 184, strong as an ox, really twitched up. Uh, it's healthy. Um, and so he just, he he's he's twitched up. And he, he has great natural flow to the game. Very, very slippery. And you watch him. I mean, I know you guys saw it. Just, he's a playmaker. And mm -hmm. our goal is just to keep him healthy and allow him to really just um, display that skill set. So he's, he's, a, he's a twitch up, fun guy, great teammate. Guys love to be around him. Big personality, always smiling. Um, so he's he's a he's a joy to coach, and he's a great addition to that room. As far as Evan, so Evan, I think Evan is one of the most selfless people I've ever been around, and one of the best teammates I've ever been around. Uh, we did those 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 crew captains, um, and Evan was Evan was one of the captains, and so Evan missed the day he got. He was sick or something, so he missed a training workout. And two players were late in his crew who had never been late before. And it was just because Evan wasn't there to help lead and communicate and do all these different things. And so you realize, like, wow, what's the impact that someone has? Well, when you take someone out of a lift group, two guys are late that had never been late before and very uncharacteristic. So it just shows you really the impact that Evan had on the whole team and his crew. And so I think Evan is a, a vital part to our team. He's elite leader. Um, someone I really, really appreciate and respect. Um, he, he believes Cincinnati, just the fact that he's willing to make that position change. And as far as training, yeah, you have to make a lot of changes because, you know, a quarterback's going to run, I don't know, 
under 4,000 yards of practice, even, even in our offense, whereas a wide out's going to run 7,000, 8,000, some practices. And so if you don't adjust for that and just for that training load, they're going to get hurt. Like they're absolutely going to get hurt. So we, we had enough time to really prepare Evan for those demands wide out. He has natural hands. So he, he's really worked on his skill set of, of, of catching the football, which comes very naturally to him and route running. And, um, He's done great, man. He, he's a, he's going to really contribute for us. And just the person he is, is phenomenal. Kind of getting back to some higher ground, um, feel free to go into as little or as much detail as you'd like. But we've heard in the past some of the different things that they had, uh, activities that they would do at night for the team bonding exercises and what have you. Uh, Brian even came back uh, after he was gone to host a um, – there, there was something with a – a wrestling ring that Brady had pur purchased. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you were able to uh, go into anything or share anything that the team did to uh, team bond while you were at higher ground. Uh, unfortunately, there was no wrestling ring. Um, <laughs> I have heard stories about that, which are legendary. Um, we did a cornhole tournament. So we did a, a giant cornhole tournament. Um, I was on a team. I was kicked out first round. Hutch is not my best attribute, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but it was actually great, man. So the finals were um, uh, Dingle, who oh, shoot, uh, James uh, Camden were on one team. I think they were like the the Kentucky All Stars or some crap like that. And then uh, uh, two freshmen, two freshmen from Ohio, and uh, the freshmen uh, they won it. They won. No it was way. a giant upset. It was in front of the whole. It was the, the Thursday, the second to last day before camp. So we did this giant tournament style on uh, the last day in the barn, stadium seating all around, guys out. It was it was awesome. It was electric. It was an elite level cornhole as well. So that was one of the fun things. Did the bonfire at night last night. Um, so it was just just trying to find ways to bond. I think you obviously do a lot of fun things, but I think like just guys being around each other for meals and like. Ryan, you know, like it's just like that time shared with each other. That's what you don't get. And I think just that, just that camaraderie and listening to guys tell stories, dude, unbelievable, man. I was dying laughing. Yeah, the snack time after a night walkthrough is always the best because they had the snack that you just get around, play cards, just bullshit until you're like, well, I just, I just want to keep staying up, hanging out with my teammates. But it's like, I got to be up like in the morning, like bright and early, and the day starts all back over again. So it was always like the inner battle of, and I love my teammates. I love hanging out with them. And this is this is the best part of the day. But it's like the more I have of it, the worse I feel in the morning. So it's like <laughs> the mind games, man. It's mind games out there. It is. Uh, I, I had a question for you about we were talking about team bonding. I thought we could just segue kind of into uh, I feel like a big part of higher ground is uh, the culture building. And, you know, you get you're getting closer to your your, your teammates, you're with your teammates every day. You're really forming that brotherhood. Was there a moment at camp that you felt that the culture took the, a next step or like just a moment that stuck out to you that you felt the team really just kind of grew together towards your kind of vision that you were trying to to um, instill into them this whole off season? I, I think, I think uh, it's a great question. Um, I think the last scrimmage, our last scrimmage at, at, at high ground, I think you see, you see, you see, like you understand the human element of, of it's the last day of high ground. These guys are so squirrely. They just want to get out. They, 
I mean, I was tired of seeing myself in the mirror. Like, so I can only imagine how much these guys were exhausted of seeing me. I was exhausted of hearing my voice. I'm exhausted seeing our staff and the football staff. And I was just so impressed with the way the guys came out and were professional, man. They worked. They was, it was back and forth, offense, defense, guys competing, guys freaking. It, it, was, it, was, it was really encouraging to see, man. Just I think what, what our team does very well um, is they're invested in one another. They're really invested in one another. And you see, you see, you see when the twos are up, the ones are coaching up the twos like relentlessly. Like you tell them they back up and they're pushing you away because they want to be on the field so they can coach up their guys. And um it is a close team. And I think just the maturity that they had in that last day, you kind of take a step back because you know there's so many highs and lows, and there's so many emotions, and you want to punch everybody and like that's the thing with Iron man. Like you're around everyone constantly. So there is a lot of that. Like there's no escape. So everyone, like, it's like a road trip when you want to punch your sister in the head. Like it just is what it is. Like <laughs> you're around everybody, but I just to watch them despite being there for, I don't know, 50 or 18 days, whatever it was like guys were just really invested in one another. Um, it was pretty cool to see. I, I think that was one of the ones where you take, you could take a step back and just be really proud of, how much everyone's invested in one another. I, that was a, one of the moments for me, for sure. Yeah, I remember that last day was always like Coach Fickle would always like scream at us like, you better not like F this up. Like we're working today because we were all like jumping up and down like, yeah, let's get out of here. Like we, <laughs> everyone was just like thinking through that last scrimmage, that last day. But that's a that's a huge sign. That's a huge, great sign the guys are able to be mature and like professional that way. And, you know, you, you always want a team that's – coaching themselves when the coaches can step back and let the guys. So that's really encouraging. And, you know, and it's inspiring to hear that the guys are, you know, taking coaching under their taking coaching uh, from their own players. And those players are going out there and taking care of that. I think it's a huge sign of a great team. Um, I guess one more call, one more like culture question. Where, where would you say the culture is at right now heading into the year? If I don't know, sometimes coaches, you guys like to use like three words or one word, or I don't know. You could just, if you could just kind of let us know and the fans know where you think this culture has grown to, it's kind of at this pinnacle point where it's time to go play ball now. Yeah. Another great question. I think, I mean, obviously the, the team cultures uh, eat effort, attitude, toughness. I think, I think right now there's been that transition right between, uh, I don't want to say the old culture, but I think what what you're seeing is you're seeing a team becoming very player led. I think you see guys that really care, that are really invested on the team, guys that have been here for a long time, guys that haven't been here for a long time. But you see, like there's there's no longer for me, there's no longer that that new versus old. It's it's one lunch tables where everyone was interchanged, everybody was eating together, everyone was around each other. So that was really special. So I, I see a unified culture in that aspect. I see guys very invested, guys understanding that that to be the team that we want to be, the leaders have to be the ones that really, really push it. And, and I know, like, I, I think the best teams are the teams that are player-led, that are really led from within, the, led, like, the upperclassmen that really care and are really invested. And I think we have that, and I think we have guys that are able to step up and check each other and call each other's bullshit. Um, I think – 
I think when we left, when we left the off season, like you never know. It's so hard. And I've asked this question so many times. That's funny. You bring it up. Like, when do you know, like, when are you really certain? Like, when do you feel good about where a team's at? I don't really know. I think it's very, or like, it's very organic. And it, it, like a team is like a, it's a human organism. It's like a living thing. And so I think, I think you have guys that are very invested that care a lot and, and they care and you can tell they care because they are willing to do the crappy things. They're willing to eat every meal. They're willing to work out and be, be professionals and come with good attitude and effort every single day. Like you see that. And so you see that despite them wanting to say, you know, F this, the fact that they're still doing it with great effort and coaching each other up. That's where I see the maturity of the team. Cause you know, in the, in the, in the summer, man, the summer's a grind too. So you got guys that get in their feelings, get emotional. And that's why I think we have a really competitive dynamic team. I think sometimes that competitiveness and that emotion can become, you can ride the wave and you can come down. And I think the guys have really done a good job through camp of being mature and pushing through that and having the leadership of thing. That was an issue in the summer. I think that, that, that defensiveness, that 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 negativity, we could get negative, we could get down because of the top side of that is human emotion. And I think we've we've we're pushing through that where guys know that that was an issue in the summer, and you could see that through camp of even when guys are down or frustrated or upset, guys checking each other, guys holding each other accountable. No, no, next play, next play, next play. You could see DBs when guys would make an MA or a PI, like next play, next play, next play. You could hear that communication. You hear guys encouraging each other. So I think that's what we're saying. I think we're seeing a unified team. I think you're seeing a team that um, that is 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 competitive and emotional and edgy and tough, but they're also aware of checking each other and holding each other accountable and not allowing negativity to creep in despite the ups and downs of a football game. And I think you see a, a team that is is growing a maturity that is doing the shitty things, if you will, the, the crappy things, but are doing it because they know it's going to pay dividends in the long run. I see. I think that's where we're kind of at right now. I wish I had more answers. I wish I could be like, oh, we're the no, best team. Oh, great. shut yeah. shut up, dude. That was, that was <laughs> sitting here just like about to about to. That, that was awesome. Yeah, because that line you're talking about, it's so hard to tow between like, because you're right on that edge of you played for. Um, D'Antonio. Yeah. I I don't like Fickle would always talk about how D'Antonio had this great quote was football is a game of like controlled rage. Yeah. And it really is. And like it's so hard to control because it's just the most violent, most aggressive game and most emotional game. And guys lose their mind because like you're playing on that fringe. You're playing right on the edge of losing your mind. So guys are going to lose their mind all the time. But you know, having guys around you that are aware of it and that can rally up around you. And because any player will always tell you, like if your boys are coming up to you and like when you're losing your shit and they're like checking you and they're like grabbing you and setting you down like that, you're going to instantly click. Whereas like if a coach is and he's ripping your ass, like, oh, that doesn't resonate well with a lot of guys. No doubt. And just being able to toe that line, that that really small like gray area, I, I think is huge, and it's really I, I love hearing that the guys are are uh, embodying that because when you have change with these two different staffs, um, I think they're very different. Like you had a fickle staff, which is very hands on, very controlled, wants to control a lot of the stuff, and that worked for them. And then you have like Satterfield staff, who from what I've been told and the kind of read I've got, they're a little more like 
not is like super controlling and, and not is that I guess I could use the word like laid back in comparison to fickle, but not in a negative way. Um, and you kind of have guys, you can either go one or two ways. You can have guys kind of, let's get more like, let's, if the coaches are going to be a little bit more laid back than our old coaches, then, you know, we can just be like that. But you kind of see the guys say, no, like we want to, like, we're going to like stick to like ha- having each other coach each other up every single snap, every single snap. So we never miss a coachable moment. Even if, you know, our staff isn't as like all up in our shit, like how fickle was. And it's two different styles and two di- and styles work differently for different coaches. And I just like, you see guys, they kind of like, they, they are, they're like this super intense way. And even though like, the coaches may not be resonating with that as much as they used to. I love that the guys kind of still embody that and are always willing to coach up their teammates. So I'm a, it's good to hear, man. It sounds like it was a great, a great camp. It was. And that's a, and that's a hundred percent accurate observation. Yeah. There is, there's definitely a transition, right? There is, and there's going to be a transition and guys have voiced that where, you know, they're, they're used to. And, and I, and I'm, I'm not obviously I didn't work with Coach Fickle and I and I'm not I didn't work at UC, but we were kind of from the same tree. And so a lot of what I know and what I've experienced is very similar to what uh the prior players have. And so it's a transition and it's a it's a it's a natural thing. And I think what I appreciate about Coach Sad is like he is who he is and he is authentic to who he is and his leadership style. And he's so big on player leadership. He's so big on players taking ownership so there's naturally going to be that that feeling right of like all right this is your this is your team this is your opportunity how are we going to manage this how are we going to come together and you're right you can go one of two ways you can go in a way of guys of of taking that that space and running away with it and then you lose the dynamic in that 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 team i've been really proud of these group of guys though man and it's and it's cool because it's not just it's it's everybody it's 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 guys that are to, new to the team who aren't new now but you have you have guys that have been here that have worked so hard that really care about the team and excuse me are invested and and I, and I and I see that I see that group of guys really trying to lead and like set the example and I'm proud of them man I'm proud I want to headbutt a lot of them you know each and every day because that's what the relationship is but you're proud of them understanding what it takes and understanding that like yeah, if you're going to be a leader, you got to you got to show up at every meal. You have to. Like, yes, you have to train harder than everybody else. You have to. Yes, you have to win every sprint. Like, yeah, that's the price of leadership. You're going to do if you're going to say you're a leader, you have to be the one. You have to be coached harder than everybody else. You have to work harder than everybody else. Like, that is the standard. Like, there's no other expectation. There's no other like you don't get a a a, a medal and get to just sit on the bench. Like, no. Like, you are leading from the front. You it, it is an obligation. It's a moral responsibility to lead. And I think our guys are really understanding that. And like, it's also hard because also like you want people to solve your problems. Like that was some of the things we kind of went worked through in the summer. Like guys would come to me and be like, here's our problems, fix it. And you're like, I would be like, yes. Like you see my frustration. Like you see our staff's frustration. Like, yes, it's frustrating when you care more about a player's development than they care about it themselves. But that's what you have to get to. You got to work through that. We're all in it together. This is what I'm doing. What are you doing? Okay. These are our problems that we're going to solve it together. You know, like, and that was a, 
shoot a weekly conversation, a daily conversation. You got guys coming up to you and it was good because you saw how much the players care and they want success. And like, that's what you got to get to. You got to get to when the players are just as frustrated as the staff who are just as frustrated to try to really maximize the kids development. And when it's a unified front, that's when I think you get the best results. So no, I'm I'm a hundred percent with you. That's such a good observation. So let's put some names on this. Who who's stepped up and who's developed themselves as leaders um, throughout? I mean, we we kind of had an idea of who some of those leaders were after the spring game, but obviously things have drastically changed with yeah. fall camp. So who's who stepped up and, and kind of surprised you in that way? Well, I think the I think that you can't talk about leadership without talking about Briggs. Um, Juwan Briggs is the patriarch. He's the, I call him the patriarch. He is, he's the most mature human being of all time. And I mean, he's literally married with two children, one on the way. So he's mature. And he's well, when you were, well, I was going to make the joke when you were saying that people would come to you with their problems. I was going to ask how many times you went to Juwan with your problems, right? <laughs> I, uh, I, it'll be so funny. I, I like, <laughs> will, like, like bring something to the table and everyone's like, yeah, that's good. That's good. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And then Juwan will be like, I'm like, oh, here it comes. You know, I'm like, so thought out. And like, well, coach, have you thought about it like this? You know, I'm like, damn it. Like, you're like, you know, he just, he's just so well thought out. He's so articulate. He's such an impressive guy. So he's, oh, he's, he, I think he's a unanimous leader of our team and the most respected leader of our team by a, by a mile. And all of our votings, like, he's always the leader. He is the leader. Um, I think Emery did a phenomenal job. Um, kind of like what we talked about earlier, Emery, like Emery's a mature guy and, but he was in a new place. And so they needed, they meaning his teammates needed to see him suffer. Like they needed to see him win every sprint. They needed him to see him do that leg press set till your freaking eyeballs almost pop out of your head. Like you need that. They need to see you willingly suffer because that's how you build unity. And that's how you build team is through shared sacrifice, in my opinion. And so he, he knew that. And he, he owned it. He took it. He didn't he didn't bat an eye. He's self-aware enough to understand that that was his role. And I was really proud of him for that. Um, Dante Corleone has stepped up. Like, Dante's a natural introvert. He, he wants to train and he wants to grunt and he wants to work. And he's a, he's a self-starter worker. But getting out of that and having to lead other people and hold other people to his standard, he did a phenomenal job of that. And it was uncomfortable. And he really developed a voice. And he's a leader. Malik Van, I love Malik Van. Malik Van's like that crusty uncle that like tell you the thing you don't want to hear. But really, I thought did a phenomenal job of being positive and being encouraging and really stepping out of that like defensive line, like and like really trying to be a leader to everybody and was really well respected. Um, uh, Daniel uh, DG, absolute stud. He broke up a fight just yelling at two people. We had, we had on the last day of training, we have two guys squaring <laughs> off, and they're about to, and I'm like classic. So I like step back. I'm like, here we go. And then DG stands up, hey, sit down. And everyone's like, like literally broke up a fight. And even I like almost took a knee. I'm like, dang, dude. Like, so that's that's Luke Kendra on O-line. Um, uh Gavin Gearhart. Um uh just we got really good leaders that are really invested. We have a lot of guys that are really invested. So there's a lot of guys that's uh, Taj Ward, Taj Ward, uh, very introverted, like to the point where like 
and the winner, I'm like, is this guy invested? Is this guy care? And then you, you, we, we had captains get evaluated by their, the, by their team. So the team critiqued because the captains were grading their, their crew the whole summer. Then midway through the summer, the crew both are kind of graded their captains and Taj got like the highest, highest scores, like was so well respected. And then you kind of like put your ear in and you see how he just checks people and he holds people accountable. He does it in his own way. He does it very, very, he's a lot like Jawan, very smart, very socially intelligent, understands the dynamics of leadership. Someone I really trust and like, like, what do you think about this Taj? And he'll give me my, his opinion. And I'm like, I, I think he's dang right. Almost every time, uh, Ethan Wright did a great job. So you got a bunch of guys that are really, really invested and, um, I mean, that's, that's just pop off the top of my head. That's awesome. Uh, leadership's obviously pinnacle to team success, but so is having some absolute freaks in the uh, weight room and locker room. I don't know how familiar you are with Bruce Feldman's freak list that he puts out each season, obviously. Uh, this year, Bearcats, it was Deshaun, Jawan, and Dante. Uh, obviously, those three fit the bill. But I want to hear some more that you have that you can rattle off your tongue that should have been on the list, but maybe maybe not really as known to uh, Bruce Feldman and the uh, general public that you think are are some certified freaks. Ooh, that that's a good one. Um, oh, geez. D, DJ Taylor's twitched up. He's a twitched up dude. He's strong in the weight room. He uh, it's a 22 mile an hour guy, uh, which is so like 22 is like kind of like the threshold of like fast, fast. If yeah. you can get over 22, you're you're probably low four fours, high four threes. Okay. He's on that list. He's a, he's he's twitched up, dude. He's very strong in the weight room. Um, he'll he'll the way he if if he continues to work the way he's working, he can he can he can be electric. Um, Xavier Henderson is a freak. He's a freak. He's a big body. I mean, massive frame. He or he gained 10 pounds and he could put on another 10 like that. Um, uh, one of our best accelerators, a 22 mile an hour guy. He jumps mid to high 35 or mid to high 30s. Um, can change direction really, really well. Um, um, Oliver Bridges is our fastest kid on our team. He's really? uh, he, he won the Iron Bearcat. He's yep. six foot two, 208 pounds, runs mid 22 to 22, five, 22, six. So he's he's a four, three guy at that speed, fastest guy on the team. Um, uh, you know, that runs in his family, right? But, but he has his sister is that runs track, is, is running around track at Ohio State. So yeah, his, he's, dad, his dad was a, a sprinter as well. Yeah, so he can cook, man. He can run. He can run, run. D had a great. D had a, D Wiggins had a great summer. Um, Luke Kendra, uh, the guard, is an absolute freak. He's a 19 mile an hour guy at 325 pounds. Uh, he was coming back from a shoulder injury and had the fastest rehab of anyone I've ever seen. He was literally he he benched four four fifty or four thirty five. For like five to seven reps, we racked it. Like we like had a racket. Um, he looks literally like a troll that guards bridges. Like he's in a <laughs> massive human being. Um, Elite calves on Kendra too. Oh my gosh! It looks like literally, dude. He looks like a like a he looks like those like 
old X-Men character, like superheroes from like the 90s with like, yeah. like he looks like someone messed up his proportions and you're like, Colossus. oh my gosh, this is a real human being. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's huge. Uh, uh, D-Line are all, are all really impressive guys. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of athleticism. There's a lot of strength. The guys train very hard. They take pride in their numbers. They take pride in development. Um, there's a lot of guys that kind of jump through, you know, a lot of change direction numbers that really, really improved. Um, uh, so uh, it was, I think, I think there's, there's a couple nominees that were on the list that didn't even make it. So I know there's a couple finalists that, that, uh, Xavier Henderson was up there. He was, he was considered Brian Threats was considered. Um, so there's a lot of guys that were, that were pretty, pretty twitched up that were almost made that list in addition to the three you named. Talk a little bit more about, uh, DP Sean Pace. I think one of the cooler things coming from camp was, was the highlight of him, not like on the field, but you know, kind of the interview with him. Yeah. So, so soft spoken, but you kind of saw his character a little bit. Saw, you know, they peel back the curtain a little bit, peel back the curtain a little bit more for, for all the fans. DP's set to have a phenomenal year. Yeah. He's uh, I call him, I tell every scout, I, I, the only analogy I have for him is he's a pit bull. I say if, if if he trusts you, and he will he will literally bite someone's face off for you. He's absolutely dynamic personality, dynamic football player. He he's the guy that's going to uh, hold court at the lunch table, make everyone die laughing. Big dynamic personality, uh, tough, won't won't back down. Um, uh, he's a guy that I've really trusted and really relied on a lot to help kind of drive the culture and drive the expectations because he's so well respected and he's such a dynamic football player and he can take over a game, man. I mean, uh, I remember watching him in spring going, Holy cow. Like this guy's firing all cylinders, man. 208 pounds, uh, bench press 225, 19 times, a high 21, 22 guy, 21, eight, 20. He's right at that cusp of that 22 mile an hour at 208 pounds. Um, he, he can, he can, he can take over a game. He's passionate. <laughs> he'll fight you. He'll. He's tough as nails. Um, so he's a massive piece of our defense, a massive piece of our team. Um, he, he's electric. And, yeah, he's soft-spoken in certain regards, but he cares. He cares about the team. When he said that one piece about it, he wants to leave the team better than he found it, I agree. Like, I think he really cares about the team. He understands how – I think that's the thing that he's really grown into is like he sees how he's perceived. He's he understands what his role is, and then he has to he has to live it right. And because he's he's well respected, and I think he's done that. And I think he's he's focused. He's tough, and he's I'm glad he's I'm glad he's a he's a dog on our porch, man. He's bowed up, dude. He'll fight, he'll bite he'll bite that mailman as he walks by. He's he'll come after him now. Yeah, he looks like an animal. Uh Let's let's go with some names that kind of really sparked up during camp that could could have a good role on the team. Obviously, D'Artagnan Tinsley is a name that's been in the program before, but it seems like he's kind of blowing up in everyone's face. Uh, Jalen Hunt is another name that kind of just seems like he's putting in a lot of work to to have an effect on that defensive line. Just maybe some other names that uh, the fan base should be kind of tuned into that you think you know early and often is going to be out there on the field. Yeah, it's a great one. I think I think I think I think you nailed two great ones. I think DT is one of our had a fantastic cam. I think John Williams, a tackle, had a looks night and day compared to where it was. Really put in a lot of work. 
Um, I think Peyton Singletary did a really good job tight end. I think he's really come along. Obviously, wideouts will be a lot of new faces, but I think they're going to be guys that are immediately beloved by the fan base. I think Xavier Henderson will go off. I think, obviously, Braden Smith will go off. I think um, uh, D. Wiggins will go off. Donny Ali will go off. I think uh, uh, Aaron Turner will go off. I think there's a lot of depth. There's so many more names you can name, but really talented. I think Corey Kiner is set to have a really special year. I think he's put in a lot of work um, uh, um, on defensive side of the ball. Um, I think Rob Jackson, Rob Jackson has, has had, you know, he, he looks the part. He's developed. He's trained up, man. He looks really, really good. I think uh, Daniel Grezik will, will go off. I think he'll go off. I think Jamal Williams has done a really good job of that position as well, that dog position. Um uh, linebackers, I think Dingle had a great camp. I think Debo uh, Jones had a great camp. I think our linebacker position is pretty deep. I think the secondary is is is, is fantastic. I think you got a, two corners that are, are really really good with a lot of depth. I think uh, I think JY Jordan Young and Sammy Anderson are both set to have a really good year. And I think our safeties, I think threats is will be everywhere. I think he's everywhere. Taj he's Ward, a lunatic. He's threats absolutely is a lunatic. He is everywhere chad knows i mean he's like so what's normal for like a for like a safety distance wise is like i don't know most of the time as far as like a catapult number i'll see is like at most seven thousand yards at most like low like 7100 yards he'll he'll like average like 88 to nine thousand yards of practice so that man is traveling 2,000 yards more than everybody else, nonstop, electric, teammate. He's a wild, wild, wild man. He's, he's, he's fun to watch. He will come downhill. He'll throw his body in there. I think he'll have a great year. Um, so it that felt just shows like once, you. It, it felt like once a day in practice, you were just like, where did he come from? Oh, he's everywhere. I mean, literally, he. I mean, he's literally traveling two thousand more yards than everybody else. So you know, he's literally everywhere. He's running like if there's a block punt and he's not even in, he'll run off the sidelines and run all the way down the field. Like he's he's he he had a really really successful camp. Um, so I think. Giver. Yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Hi, Chad. Hey, Chad. What's up, dude? The voice, the voice of the Bearcats, right there, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't a good night at volleyball, but that's all right. The kid played well. The team did not have a good night. But that you know, that's life sometimes. How is Kelsey? You guys seen a lot of football. How are you guys feeling? What's the what's the what's the general attitude that you guys are all feeling? I mean, I think it comes down to how quick the offense gels, like how quick everything gets on the same page. You know, the defense is going to be there that you didn't. It's not that. And I, I talked about this a lot. I think a lot of the doubt surrounding you guys nationally is understandable because there's 10 of 11 new starters on offense. But being there and watching the default is the unknown is bad. That that, you know, when, when you're dealing with the unknown, that's a negative. And generally, that's right. But there's talent. Like, there is significant talent on the offensive side of the ball. So that um, that eases some of that concern for me because it did not look like and, – and, I mean, let's be honest, Nico. If the offense was not talented, 
they would have gotten their ass kicked up and down the field every day for the past two weeks. Yes. And more often than not, I felt it was pretty even. I don't know that there was really a day uh, where I thought like there were a couple days where I thought the offense won. I don't know that. And there were a couple days where I thought the defense dominated. I don't know that there was a day where I felt the offense like genuinely dominated the defense, but that's, I've been watching that for six years. Like, you know, with NFL guys, with Des and AP and, you know, Mike Warren and Jerome Ford and all the guys that they had, there still weren't many days you walked away thinking, man, the offense dominated today through camp because the defense was just so good. So I'm not overly concerned there. Um, But I do think there is sufficient talent on offense to be a successful team. The question becomes, when do they become that uh, well-connected, kind of fine-tuned machine? How many weeks does that take for the offense to find their footing? Um, and if that answer is sooner than later, then I think the season can be can be pretty successful. Yeah. Yeah, kind of voiced the same thing last week. Is just you listen to all these national podcasts and, and the national media is just – doomsday when it comes but, to but again like if i told you if we were looking at a team coming up on well, no i know that's that's not what I'm I, to. yeah and i told you they had 10 of 11 starters to replace i would be like i agree you better show but, me but i that, that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say that you know they're just it honestly it just sounds like one person started that narrative and then every single other media national media head is saying the same thing and they're kind of just rolling with it. And they're looking at the Vegas number and they're kind of just saying, okay, this is this is what we need to base this team off of is that, you know, they're going to be down. But you know, I went to the scrimmage, you know, on that Saturday and I just saw the talent on the field. I saw the plays being made on both sides of the football. And I saw, you know, the, the game that Emory Jones has. I saw the numerous options at wide out, saw a, a stable of, of beasts in the backfield. And then I saw the defense coming up, laying the wood. And to me, I just, you know, after seeing championship teams, playoff f- football teams, I, I was saying it last year, this this looks like a competitive, af- athletically gifted, and a strong team. I, I don't see this, this terrible, huge turnover, bad squad that all these national media heads are saying. And I think, uh, like Chad says, the, the, the second that the offensive line has that, Connectivity. The second that Emory Jones has that comfortability and that leadership taken to the next level, and the second that the offense is just clicking like they have in certain days throughout throughout uh, fall camp, I just think it's all going to mesh completely. Because you know all the leaders you've mentioned, all the all the different players on defense that have been bringing it, they're going to continue to bring it on Saturdays too. So the the second the offense brings what they've been been able to show throughout fall camp, I think that. I, it's it's up to then how how much further they're willing to take it once everything flows. I think uh, we're pretty good at yeah. this analysis stuff. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I mean I couldn't agree with you more. My big thing is how is the team going to handle adversity? How is it going to handle at pit? How is it going to handle the first taste of shit's not going well or shit's hitting the fan or? Defense lets up two touchdowns. Offense gives up a turnover. What are we going to do? Because, you know, we don't – one, we have a bunch of guys – we have we have to fill in a bunch of new spots all over the field. And two is different different coaching staff. How are they going to handle 
uh, game days. How are they going to handle the ups and downs? And that all has to mesh together. Um, but everything I've heard all year is just the momentum is built all offseason. The momentum's building. Um, but yeah, you're, you're never going to, that's the thing about football, man. You're never going to, you're never going to know shit until the pads go on and you, you, you should wipe, wipe the floor with EKU. That, that's what you, that's what you need to do. Get some confidence going. And then you play Miami. It's a rivalry game. That'll be good. Get the emotions in check. And then we're at Pitt and that's going to be, that's when we're going to know like all the shit that these guys have done, all the shit you've done with them and prepped them for it. Like that's where we're gonna find out. That's when the boys will turn are gonna turn to men down over at Heinz Field. So even bigger adversity, Royer Pitts week two. Yeah. Oh shit, I've got that messed up. <laughs> <laughs> even better, man. Never mind. That's what I'm excited for. Come no, on. I was yeah. when you were listing off adversity points, I thought you were gonna drop 10-15 kickoff. Our time in Provo. Oh, that's a. We'll that's get to that. <laughs> on, on, a Friday, on a Friday night, six on a days Friday after night. Oklahoma at Nippert Stadium. I know. Man. Bars close at two in Indy, Nico. <laughs> that game's going to still be going on. I'm going to have to convince the owner to leave it on. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, adversity on all fronts. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Critical adversity from, from Brent. I don't. I don't think we're going to do a watch party at ten fifteen on a Friday night at the Holy Grail. I think their business on Friday nights is already. Uh, I don't, think I don't know. That could. That. I, I might come into town for that. That'd be exciting. <laughs> See who lasts the longest. Um, Nico, I had a. I had a pretty serious question to throw at you. That's literally along these lines because I mean you've been around elite teams. You know during your playing and coaching days. Uh, you know with with fall camp wrapping up and whatnot, kind of. The, the team as a whole, you know, Ryan brought up culture and, and, you know, chemistry and this, that, and the other, you know, we've all talked about talent. We've talked about freaks. We've talked about leaders. Where do you see the squad as a whole right now? You don't have to mention oh, wins and losses or anything like that. Just from your past experiences with, with groups of men, where does, you know, where are you feeling this one is? Are, are they, you know, a week away from really showing everyone against EKU? what's kind of your pulse as we head into, uh, you know, less than two weeks from the kickoff? Yeah, I, I think I had sat for in my chair on that one. I think, I think I feel very positive. I feel very positive. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm natural. I'm naturally a realist. Like, I don't think I'm overly cynical. And I don't think I'm overly um, idealistic. I think I, I just see it how I see it. And I, and I, and I feel, I feel good. I feel like it's a team that, kind of like what you guys see. I don't see a team that meets the narrative that's about the team. And for me, that's what really excites me. I'm like, yes, continue, please, crapping on us. Because that is so great for us. That's such a great narrative to play under. Uh, it's such a great chip to have. Um, I think it's – I think I don't see that. I see a, a very similar to what you guys see. I see a very capable, talented team that will continue to mesh and continue to grow. I am curious as well. Like, how will we respond when we're tested? How will we come together? How will these pieces fit together? You see you see a ton of potential. You don't really know. I think that's a great point by Royer. Like, you don't really know until you're in the battlefield. Like, you, 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 you train for it. You see it. You see growth. But, like, how will we really be on game day? 
how like you see it on the scrimmage, but like how will we really be? How will we continue to grow and evolve when we do, you know, if we do lose a game, how will we come back? If we are down, how will we respond? I think that's what um, I think we all need to kind of see. And, and I feel very, very encouraged, though, after camp about how much this team cares and how much we want to have success. And I see a lot of promise in how hard we work and how hard we practice and how physical we are and how invested we are. And I think we train and we work at a, at a pace that most teams don't and we care and are invested to a level that most teams don't. And I think that in addition to how much talent we do have that people don't know about, I think that can carry you a really long way in my opinion. So that's what I feel. I feel very encouraged. I know that we've done things and worked harder than most and I think that's very hard to lose when you when you feel like you've invested a lot more than other other people. So um, that's kind of where my head's at. I think I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see us show up. I'm excited to see us play another team. Like you know, you get in that grind of camp, and then you know I'm addressing the team. I'm like, guys, we're we're 14 days away. We're 15, at that point. We're 15 days away after our last scrimmage. Like we are about to play a game, man. And like I'm so excited for that. I really am thrilled. For me, like Ryan, to me, it comes down to like who's one of the moments that maybe the moment that sticks out as much as any when you talk about the fickle era, the Houston AAC championship game. Early in the game, defense lets Houston go straight down the field twice. And uh, I'm changing sides of the field, and you walk past the defensive side, and you look, and Kobe Bryant has the entire defense. Not the starters, not the two deep, the walk-ons, like Ryan. Oh, yeah, over there. <laughs> everybody. Kobe has them in a huddle, reading them the fucking riot act. This is inexcusable. This is unacceptable. We're not giving this up. We've come too far. We've worked too hard to get here one game away. We win. We're going to play for a championship, and we're not coming out here and playing like this. And from then on, at Houston scored, what, a, a touchdown the rest of the way? Like, it was – Kobe was the one that said, look, I might be the quiet leader of this team, whatever it is, but when it's time to be vocal, now is I'm putting my chips on the table right now. I'm cashing my equity and telling all of you, get your shit together. Let's go win this game. And from that point on, they were the best defense in the country the rest of that night. So that's the thing. Who, who, you know, when like Ryan was talking about, and I've talked about this a little bit too, like the Big 12 is an offense first lead. So let's say it's, it's, you know, right before halftime and you're down 17-14. They get a touchdown going in. It's 24-14. They get the ball coming out of half. They go down and they get a field goal. All of a sudden, you're down 27-14 and you haven't touched the ball. Does the offense have that somebody that says, we're going to get in a touchdown right now. We're making this 27-21 and we're going to win this game. Or do they have a turnover? Do they go three and out? Like, like that's the stuff I think is. Ooh, that was gross. McDonald's. <laughs> Especially in this league where offense dominates. Like, do you have the, 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 the leaders in place that are going to say, 
we're not screwing around. Like, you know, this this isn't us. We're going to win this game. We're going to get the, the ship back on track, and we're going to get across the finish line. You know, like, you look at Iowa State last year. They held almost all of their Big 12 opponents under 20 points, and they won, like, what, one? They were one and eight, two and seven, something like that. Like, there's going to be those coin flips. The leadership, more often than not, is what what can push you over the top in those situations. So I agree. Yeah, I'm going to take it even further back, Chad. Like, think about that right. that year that year when they started, you know, beat UCLA at UCLA, and then that Ohio game at NIP, Royer. Like, you, you guys let Ohio kind of control the game and kind of beat should, you guys pretty should have lost pretty soundly. Should've and lost. then all of a sudden, it was you know something happened, and, and the flip they was switched. And well, the flip was switched on your guys' end too, and somehow, yeah, you know, you pulled pulled out some some good touchdowns and some good defensive plays in that second half. So yeah, like adversity struck then, but you know those Des didn't wither. You know he he kept firing. The defense didn't wither. They they held it at the goal line. You know it, it, it seemed like those teams handled adversity and came out on top. And so yeah, no, I agree. I think. I think at Pitt, say, you know, I and I've done deep dives on a lot of different, like, you know, different quarterbacks and, and the transfer portals and whatnot. A lot of these teams are in a lot more similar situations than a lot of people perceive. Everyone had big, pretty big or or decent roster turnover. The, the only you, know what, that you know what everybody's got now? Everybody's got a starting transfer quarterback. Yeah, they do. Everybody. <laughs> they do. All of the whole I, country. Oh, I – I looked it up. Like in, in the top twenty-five, there's only like seven teams that have a, a returning, a returning like a or yeah, right or like a player that was right. in under. Yeah, so it's uh, there's a lot more similarities than than everyone really perceives that there truly is, and and it's who's able to to gel faster, who's able to you know show the the product that they do have first is going to be the one that comes out with victories, and and I think yeah, week two at Pitt, that's a I don't want to overlook EKU. Uh, what are they? The governors, I think, or I, who knows what they are? The, the mascot? I don't know. I have to look it up. But don't want to overlook them. But still, colonels, it's gonna, Brent, the, the colonels, colonels, colonels. Yeah, same old same. Uh, but it's going to be quick, early, and I'm excited to see how it, how it plays out. I truly. Am. I have one last question for you, Nico. Before we end up letting you go here, um, I'm going to ask you this again. Actually, as you get towards the end of this season once we have you on after the season's over and all of that but i'm very curious as to what you've learned about yourself in the in like owning your own room for the first time in your career like the fact that you are completely responsible for this group of men and what have you learned about yourself throughout this process thus far oh man awesome um <laughs> that's a fantastic question i think one is that um one of my first observations that I learned was that I was very well trained when I felt I was very, very grateful for that is I, I felt a lot of gratitude that I, I was where I was for as long as I was, you know, there's times where you get frustrated and there's times where your ego creeps in and you want to have opportunities and you, you feel ready to have opportunities. And one thing that I felt really, really blessed about was I was developed. And when I did have an opportunity, I was as ready as I could be when I got it. So that was one thing was I was, I felt very prepared 
Um, another thing that I, I, I try to really focus on, and I learned a lot about myself is I've always been very instinctual. I've always tried to, I mean, conscious is a weird word, but like, I've always tried to really listen to my instincts and, and govern it. And so if you, if you, for me, if you can listen to your, if you have right intentions and you can listen to your conscience and you're well-trained, I think that steers a lot of your, a lot of your, um, kind of what to do things. So for me, it was, it was just trust your training, listen to your conscience, make decisions with boldness and with just, just reckless abandon. Um, and I think with that, I've been fortunate to really not make many mistakes. And if I did, I was humble enough, or I ironically, I'm bragging about being humble, but at least I was self-aware enough to try to correct those as fast as possible. Um, that's a Brady move right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I'm just so humble. Um, <laughs> no one's more humble than me. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that, so that was the, the one thing. And I think, I think one thing I really learned in camp was that like my instinct is to jump on every issue, like everything I want, everything I, 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 I take a lot of ownership and I, and I want to jump on every problem and punch it in its face. And like, I'm seeking out problems. I want to shake it. But like a lot of things in leadership is like, you have to make sure that you've, you, you trust the people around you and that you've trained the people around you to help solve their problems and solving their issues isn't going to make a better team. Is not going to make a better dynamic? And I think I had to learn a lot through campus, like allow the problems to work themselves out to get to the level that I need to address them. And I think I, I learned a lot about camp, like, cause I was around so much and you're around these athletes so much. So like, if you address, if everything's a red ass deal, then nothing's a red ass deal. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if everything you come in and you just start swinging at everything, then there's, you're going to lose the significance when you do have to come in and swing at it. And so I learned that was a big, a big recent observation. And I'm sure there's going to be a lots of ups and downs in the season. And that's what I'm curious to see towards the end of the season is yeah. what more you'd learn about yourself through this evolution. Yeah. I think one of the things I realized my, my role is going to be is I got to be steady in the boat, man. Highs and lows, I got to just stay consistent, stay positive, continue just to bring energy and passion and just freaking provide my role and just do that and just be a support system for these guys. And that's the thing. The fun thing about it being a strength coach is like this is the time where you 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 get to push it like, OK, here we go. And it's kind of scary, right, because like you feel like your kid's going off to college and you want to go fix all their problems and you want to like go live in the dorm with them and party with them. But like, that's not really your role now. It's like your role to like allow your kids to, to, to do their, you know, to, to go off and make mistakes and you're there to correct them and mold them and make them better. But like, it's hard, it's a hard thing to do. And like, it's not my role now to really like suffocate it, you know, like I want to, but I can't. So like, I'm learning that about myself right now. So I think, I think after a year of this, and in a season, really, it, I, I hopefully have more wisdom and, and perspective, but that's a fantastic question. Fires don't burn if you remove the oxygen, Nico. <sighs> I, I have a final question, and then we'll let you go. We've kept you way too long already, but we're not going to get you for like three months. So <laughs> there, there was a lot made about the 25th year of higher ground yeah. and the rise 
of the UC football program since higher ground started. Do you now see that? Do you believe in that? That one of the things that has allowed this football program to take kind of the rocket ship that it's been on is in part because of those two weeks in the Indiana wilderness? Without question. I mean, especially now more than ever, like you don't have this. You don't, I think that's what's so beautiful about higher ground. Like you, in today's day and age, a quality time is so rare and seeing guys like we had, we had a transfer from another school and it's like day, it's like day that's four. That's how transfers work. Yeah. 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 From a, he, he wasn't a Bearcat last year. Um, <laughs> but I, I think kind of like what Royer was talking about, like, you just sit back and you watch all these guys just at, at snack and they're just laughing and playing cards and hanging out. They're off their phones or they're, they're conversing their, their fellowship. They have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to nowhere else to be. And it, I think that is like the beauty in it. Like you just put people from different experiences together and you allow them to kind of grow. And there's no other, you can't cheat that. You can do like a, you can do like an edgy Navy SEAL come in, carry, like, okay, you can do all that crap, but like, that's so superficial. It's so, it's not real. Like the only way to build a team is that, in my opinion, is that, is through crucible. It's, it's through hardship. Um, it's through shared suffering, I, I think. And so you see that piece, especially in today's day and age, teams don't have that. They don't, and they can try to make it. And there's a reason why every former head coach wants to take it back and wants to like get, I get it. It is a, it is a, cause like, it's like we talked about earlier, like not only is it unique and it's isolating and it's culture building, but it's also a great performance. You have amazing food, you have rooms, you have air conditioning, you have performance center, you have all these different things that like a lot of these other facilities can't really house. And so to watch this place kind of mature and grow and you just see how the teams ascended with it. Like it's, it is an absolute game changer. I couldn't agree more. And I'm not surprised by the success that it yields. Did they let you keep your room? I know you said you were, you were sweet 104. Sweet 104. I, uh, I've told, I got a photo of my key and they said it's safe for me. Now we'll find out when I come back two weeks unannounced and, uh, open the door and see if my key's still there, but that'll be the test. But uh, no, they're, they're, their hospitality is unmatched. I'm just sad that, that Chuck's not going to be around anymore. Oh, it breaks my heart. They're, Chuck, they're Chuck such... is my favorite, one of my favorite humans on the planet. Oh, yeah, they were, the, 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 how, what, listening to him laugh as they hoisted me up on that swing, just the pure joy that man had of me screaming like a 10-year-old, uh, girl was unbelievable. So I mean, I'm glad at least he got. I got that moment with him. You will. He'll be on the sidelines for a couple of games. Oh, good. So I'll be happy to see him. To see him a couple of times. Wait a minute. Put you up on a swing. Yeah. There's. So I hit. So we had a fun night, and I there was a tri. I call it. In my opinion, there's the trifecta of higher ground. There's the uh, the zip line. So I unannounced. They, they put me up first. So I like kind of like just like watching and they're like, all right, you're going first. I'm like, okay. And like you're on the zip line and they tell you to go. And you're like, all right. So you like kind of jump off the edge and I'm, I fly because I'm, I'm hefty. So yeah. I'm, that was awesome. So as soon as I get off that, then they have a swing where they basically take a four-wheeler, back you up, and you just kind of like crane up. 
and then they pull a latch and you swing over like this ravine. It's oh, elite. So I was screaming, absolutely screaming. And then they have a rock climbing wall. And so I did all three within probably, uh, I don't know, probably 30 minutes. And my, my adrenaline, I mean, I'm talking, I could have, I could have fought a bear. God forbid <laughs> that a bear came out, but I was riding high, man. You could have killed a coyote. <laughs> that poor coyote dude wouldn't even set a chance. Other Derek Wolf would like a word. <laughs> Derek Wolf killed a cougar with his bare hands. A cougar? Yeah. Mountain. How do you do that? You punch it in his head or something? No, he uh, used a bow and arrow. <laughs> Shot it with still. a rocket propelled grenade. That's what I. Yeah. That's what it was. Derek, Derek Wolf is a certified crazy motherfucker. Some so. extra gravy for you. You could have told me <laughs> Derek Wolf fought a bear with his bare hands and won, and I would be like, yeah. Okay. I would believe it. I believe you. Yeah. I believe you. That was a crazy person. Yeah. That, that level of badassery is, is – I want someone to say that about me. Oh, Nico, you need, like if you want somebody to come in and rally the troops, you get a hold of Derek Wolf and have him come in. And <laughs> he lo- yeah, he loves UC too. Big time. Listen, listen to his Rogan pod. You'll – You'll so get like first 15 minutes, he talks about what he would do before the games and the, the things he would say to the people on the field. It is the most I've I've never in my life uh, what I played football for like I don't know 18 years ever heard anything remotely is terrible. Nuts. It, it's, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers said that was the only time he was scared for his life on the field was Derek Wolf like I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're it's like I believe you. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> All right, man. We'll let you go. I appreciate you as always, brother. You are the absolute best. You guys yeah, are the people, man. I appreciate you guys a lot, man. Thanks for uh, introducing you us to your dad. Cool guy. Family. Oh, yeah, the other. Was the week. <laughs> that was that was awesome. That was awesome. But yeah, nah, man. It was awesome. Awesome having you on, and and awesome for uh, you're the gift that keeps on giving to all the. Uh, all the Bearcat fans, because you know what they can do because of you, Nico? They can go to Danco Transmission and Auto Care, and they can get a free standard oil change. Only this week only. Say say that Nico sent you. And then anything over 200 bucks, any fixing? Chad, do you have one of the trucker hats that you can show the, show the faithful? Get one of those free trucker hats right there. A free one. While supplies last, he said. He's expecting a big rush. Big you, rush. You want one, in, Nico? So. Yeah. All right. I'll, 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 I'll bring say. a couple on Wednesday. I got a couple say, extras. Say Nico sent you. Nico <laughs> sent you. But yeah, man, it's it's awesome having you on. Best of luck this year. We'll be there. Uh, excited. Absolutely excited. It's always a pleasure, man. Thank you guys. I'm humbled for always being on, man. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate you, brother. We'll talk soon. Yeah. All right. Take Thanks. care, guys. See you, Nico. See ya. We go. Want to timestamp that little 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 Nico. Nico Goat? It gets that kind of uh, that kind of juice. I don't think there is one. The Nico Goat. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off 
your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Man, Royer, great question with that culture, baby. That was <laughs> getting me fired up. I was just sitting here like a little little boy listening to story time, man. That was that was, that was exciting stuff. Um, yeah, it was exciting to hear his answer, too. Yeah, it was. It was promising. And, and, and you know what? The, the thing is, like, when, when we were asking him, he was asking us how we felt about the team. We were asking him how he feels this, that, and the other. You know, you hear Briggs and, and Dante and you hear Emery talk and, and, and DP talk about the team. And, like, those guys have been a part of, you know, especially excluding Emery, but those guys have been a part of championship teams. And they, they mentioned without a beat that this team is talented, they're hungry, this, that, and the other. So I, I don't know the, if, if the feeling inside the locker room is that upbeat and that kind of excited, I think how they handle that first do- dose of adversity, as you mentioned, would be telling to how the rest of the year is going to go. To play devil's advocate, you know, they're not going to get up there and say anything else. So I'm not, right. Right. I'm not, ex- I'm not like, I'm not certain about anything until Pitt. I think that's going to be like the immediate litmus test. And however that goes, they can build off of it or learn from it, and we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that's – Pitt's going to be a good – they're well-coached. They've had a well-established, like, staff and kind of gritty culture there now for a couple of years. They've had some recent success. It's at Pitt, and shit is always crazy at the beginning of the season, man. Both – I mean, from, from us and from them. It's just going to be – a little disorganized on both sides of it. And it's just going to be the ultimate chaos to kind of see what this team's made of and how they handle it. And they so I, I kind of take, too, yeah, so. I kind of take everything with a grain of salt that, cause basically as players, you're just going to go up there. You're going to like, you're going to respect your opponents and you're going to respect, like you're going to be, you're going to hype up your team. You're going to be talking good about your guys. Cause you know, that's what you do. And you're not really going to know anything as an outsider until you like kick off mm-hmm. in all seriousness. But, but I, I, I'm, I'm not shitting on the team like, yeah, they're bad or anything, but you know, just take it with a yeah. grain of salt. But how excited are you said. now to know that Pittsburgh is week two instead of week three? It's, it's coming <laughs> a little earlier. <laughs> I'm pumped, man. What, what did I they love, say? I, I the, love the biggest the jump. Game. The biggest jump is between week one and week two. Yeah. So. Yep. There you go. And you get a good confidence game with EKU, as if everything goes as it should. I mean, but, um, yeah, the victory. I always get excited about the Victor Bell game, man. That's why I thought it was week two. <laughs> I love good. the Miami game. Chance to put some lickings on them. You have every reason to love the Miami game. <laughs> Almost not once, you know. Oh, Malik Clemens, right? The straight vertical drop of Miami's win percentage. <laughs> Only counts in, what is it, horseshoes and hand grenades. So I, yeah, I cannot man. believe they were trying to throw that football out of their own end zone. I mean, that's just. God bless them and God bless Malik Clemens, man. Right. CFL's Golly. finest right now. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Got a couple in there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that pick game, we'll obviously talk about it. They've got Wofford week one, so they're not going to be showing too much of their hand. And EKU week one for the Bearcats, so things go as planned. It's going to kind of be two teams. Run the triple? I, I don't know what Wofford triple? runs. All I know is they beat Mick Cronin's first uh, year one of, of Mick Cronin. 
the Wofford Terriers take down the Bearcats at fifth third round. I, rem- I remember that one. That was a rough. <laughs> what was well, that like, meltdown like? I could, was the place where the fans getting their pitchforks um, out. It, well, it wasn't. It wasn't. The loss was bad, but like it was a. It was the the merry band of JUCOs and Deontay Vaughn. It was expected early in the season. It, it like some some, it, but the reality set in that like oh shit we have to play sixteen Big East games with this team. <laughs> How did it go? I don't remember. Not pretty, not not great. Rough. It didn't go great. The How worst was like compare it to the 2017 Bearcats football. Uh, significantly worse. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I listened to Dan Horde talk about like the Bearcats down 23 to South Florida, and I'd be like, "Oh gosh, this is." There, uh, Ryan. It's the only time there were, I think, three games I left early, where I was just like. I, at the time, I had just started. Like, my first season was mixed first season. And I was doing uh, – essentially, I was doing, like, highlight videos from games, sitting on the baseline, <clears throat> shooting video, and then going home and, like, chopping it up and making, like, highlight videos. And uh-huh. you could not have picked a worse year to uh, be <laughs> responsible for highlight videos. because uh, Not a lot of highlights? There weren't – so normally, like, what you do in a highlight video is you shoot the video, and then at the end, you, like – give a little thumbs up so you know like okay use this one and there weren't many that this this didn't happen in front of the camera very often <laughs> there was a couple times like early second half i was just like i'm gonna, I'm gonna beat the crowd like and i this is a job i've been wanting to do my whole life and i was like eh, i gotta get home <laughs> yeah, we're, i got shit to do in the morning <laughs> I mean, there were some good like offensive rebound stickbacks by John Williamson, but that was you know might have been yeah. about it. Yeah, there was there was <laughs> there was quite a bit of those. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like that was that was Connor Barwin versus like Greg Oden. Greg Oden, yeah. Who was the guy at Memphis? Joey Dorsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy at Pitt, Aaron Gray, was that him? Yeah, I I mean they had. Aaron Gray was their big dude, but they had like Sam Young and no, but those are guys that Connor Barwin. Connor Barwin played center. Was guarding them, yeah. At six foot three and a half, like two hundred and thirty pounds, like he would have his back in like Greg Oden's, like it was below his waist. Oh my god! You know what the greatest thing? They couldn't move him. (laughs) Greatest thing about that year, though, Ryan, they beat Xavier. Yeah, they did beat X. Incredible. Then lost like. 15 of their last 17 games. <laughs> Pain. Yeah. Whoops. It was it was it was tough. That was a tough that was a tough one to get through. They turned it around eventually. They did. They did. Um 16 and 17 were not fun either. Bad football. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Those those weren't great. Yeah, that, that UCF game. Oh. I'm just hoping that that doesn't happen this year. <laughs> Because, you know, when you got a new staff, I mean, the wheels can fall off quick, man. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm nervous. That was a weird, yeah, a weird situation then. Who knows? But um, camp's over. Fall camp, that is. Uh, let's, let's close the book on it real quick. Um, after reading – and listening and talking about different things, Aaron and, and Ryan, and then I'm going to get to Chad. 
what would be your main takeaway or maybe your dude of the camp? You both, you both exit ex- stage left. I brought you right back. Um, I'm back. I, I, I was going to use the restroom, but, you know, I'm going to have to hold it for this one for the boy Brent. Come on. Hey, this, this is the podcast. Everyone's involved. Uh, who would you say due to, due to the, of, of the camp or, you know, kind of your, your main takeaway, Aaron, Ryan, then, then Chad, I'll let you marinate over there. Um, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to say Deshaun Pace. Damn. I just feel, mine. I just feel like he was mentioned pretty much every day. Every yeah. day. He was always making plays every time I was around. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it got to the point where you you were mentioning him because you had to, but it was you already knew he was going to make the play. Like it didn't even it didn't even like stick out as something that was exciting or fun to watch because you expected it. It, it became an expectation, not a surprise, not something that stood out. It was just, oh, there was another play and Deshaun Pace was involved. Weird. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, super excited. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with with Aaron, and a whole another dimension to it too is kind of like how DP had kind of like a, a step down like last year from like his standard, and I think it speaks a lot on him and the off season he had, and adjusting to a new position too. Um, it's not even though it's a very similar position, it's still different learning a new defense, and to just make that big of a jump even past where he was before last year. And to be covering, like, he's covering slot receivers, tight ends. Like, he was not asked really to do any of that that. in the the old defense. Evolved his body, completely added more athleticism. He looks like a a DB, honestly. It's kind of crazy. That that would be my first instinct as well as DP. Mm -hmm. Um, Threats. Threats had an awesome camp. I thought Sammy had an awesome camp. Um, Emory was was really good. I mean, the only thing that hurts Emory is he missed the last three days. He wasn't wasn't part of that last scrimmage with the, the tooth extraction or whatever it was that he Did had. Just some veneers is that is that what it was? Nah, yeah, I think the... he had a, he had a tooth pulled. Oh. So it just didn't make sense to you don't risk it two weeks yeah. from the season. To have something crazy happen. Um, offensively, I'd have to say Braden Smith because there was like one, he was one of the least fanfared recruits. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like there wasn't a ton of hype when Braden Smith came to Louisville. Too. Yeah, it was just like okay, they added a Louisville guy. Like they needed depth in the wide receiver room. They added right. some depth in the wide receiver room. I, I, and I'm, I'm sure Satterfield expected it, but I don't think anybody was like. Oh shit! Like we found a guy that's going to be a game changer for us. Mm-hmm. And if there's anybody on that offense that looked like a game changer over the the two plus weeks of camp, it was Braden Smith. Yeah. Um. So I mean that that one I think is is kind of easy offensively. Uh, Xavier Henderson got significantly better as he got more comfortable and his camp went along. Donovan Ali had a really good camp. Chris Scott had a really good camp. Evan had a really good camp. Um, Shaman and Singletary. Dave loved Miles Montgomery back there. Yeah, I love Miles Montgomery. I mean, I, oh, yeah. him, and, him and Corey, I think, are going to be a pretty potent one-two punch. And then 
you've got Ethan Wright and, and Ryan Montgomery kind of waiting in the wings. I thought Stephen Bird had a good camp. Um, so, you know, offensively, I don't think there are as many guys that are ready to be stars as there are on defense. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a significant there – is, there is enough talent – accumulated on the offensive side that if the system that Satterfield runs takes hold that they have more than enough dudes right to make plays more than enough dudes to make plays right for me also and Chad you can kind of expand on this it you know obviously camp is I don't want to okay you don't have to uh (laughs) obviously camp is going to kind of highlight a little bit more of the skill players because that's kind of the ones that are, you know, finishing off the plays, but some guys that you'll probably see a little bit more on Saturdays, you know, when, when it is completely full go and it is see ball, kill ball. Uh, you know, it, I think DG is a name that you heard constantly by every member of the coaching staff, you know, whether it be his leadership, whether it be his play, whether it be, he's going to have, a sack in every game or multiple sacks in every game is what coach Scott Satterfield said. You heard just heard Nico kind of, kind of talk to him at length, but he's not going to be a guy that really pops off the page because you can't bring down the quarterback during, you know, fall practices. So DG for me, and then just kind of the, the, the glowing uh, returns that we've heard from, you know, the, the left side of the offensive line and John Williams and D'Artagnan Tinsley. So I, I think those will be, two more that you kind of watch and see, hey, can can they stay consistent and, and bring what they started to show in camp? Because, I, I mean, Coach Satterfield talked glowingly about them. You've heard numerous coaches talk glowingly about them. And, you know, when the bright lights turn on, are they going to continue to show what they've already shown in camp? So those are some some names outside of the ordinary ones that we uh, have heard the most. And I think DG will only show his, his effect once the, the real snaps are actually played. Yeah, I'd yeah. second that Greshik has been certainly somebody who's been talked about quite a bit. Um, I'd put him probably talked about as much as Braden Smith, I think, um, just in camp reports and um, especially the after when, uh, any of the videos and stuff, it seemed like every coach involved yeah. was, was giving him his flowers. So right. I'm with you. It'll be uh, it'll be exciting, man. Come, come less than less than two weeks from now. I, in two shows from now, we're going to talk about the the team post the first game and and talking about a, a, a huge matchup against Pitt at Pitt. So, man, there's a lot of excitement brewing around. Uh, Are they bringing the, the old trophy out for that game? Wasn't it? I'm sure the Pitt game. Yeah, the River City rivalry. Yeah, yeah. That's the most uncomfortably heavy and awkward trophy this side of the victory. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, didn't they say the victory bell? The old one was just heavy as as crap. No, no, the new, all of them. It's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Like it used to, one of my favorite things every year over the past 16 years has been sending the freshmen to go get the bell and them to think like they're just picking up a, like a rivalry trophy and they're like, Oh, hernia. (laughs) Uh, we need, like, we need three people to put this on their shoulders. Oh, they know that like you would have two offensive linemen, like one with the, the base on one shoulder and one with the base on the other shoulder and somebody supporting it from behind. That shit is 
heavy. The yeah. River City rivalry is probably less pounds than the Victory Bell. I would imagine. Because it's like so top heavy and has that like. <laughs> it's an like, ugly trophy. Lever oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know what? It looks pretty good in that uh, Pike de Benz picture. It looks great. At the it's end a of great that game. looking trophy. Right. But the, the design of it is wild. It's it's like five foot tall. It's huge. <laughs> it's it's so huge. T- taller than Chad. <laughs> I've got it like like, like I can see I, like I can see <laughs> but I can see over top of like what's it called? Like, home home improvement. Yeah. It's like me in the medium end of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Someone help that man. <laughs> Yeah, I you know it's gonna be exciting to see what what you know, how the year goes because you know rose colored glasses are what every you listen to everyone talk about their team for the most part actually Chad I was pretty surprised in the BCJ pod a lot of those guys were kind of putting like a bowl game as their you know goal end of the year goal or expectation which I which I was like eh, yeah I guess same if that's everyone's <laughs> pulse on the on on their teams then. We might be like sitting kind of pretty. Yeah, like it's just the the whole thing is finally starting to mix together. And you finally start to see people saying, no one's talking as much about Cincinnati's first schedule in the Big 12 enough. It, it, it's true. And we talk about it here nonstop, avoiding tough games, having the right teams at home, having the right teams that's, on the road. That's why everyone we talked to was going to be happy with the bowl appearances because we're not playing four of the top five teams in the conference. Yeah, it's, I mean, week two will tell a lot. Week one, I hope they just, I hope Brady Drogosh is taking snaps at the end of the third quarter, if I'm being honest. I hope it's that kind of a situation. Yes, that's right. Brady Lichty already had his time out there. They're getting Drogosh some snaps. Hoying is coming in at the end of the fourth. That's what I'm hoping for. But uh, I don't know. It'd be pretty telling come come uh, come pit week two. Yeah, hopefully, if they take care of the uh, Colonels, which is still the most puzzling spelling out there, when it should be Colonels, right? But it's it pronounced Colonels. It's just insane. But that's the English language for you. Um, anything else on on wrapping up camp and kind of you know looking forward to what's going to be more pregame discussion next week. I just can't wait to talk about things that are not hyperbole and are actual things that happened. Week zero this weekend, baby. Notre Dame versus Navy in Ireland. Don't just why? Why is there week zero? It's puzzling. It's it's It's, confusing. It's it's just because there's so few teams that play that it's not actually week one. It is actually week one, according to how numbers work. Chad, who do you think is going to win that that primetime game on ESPN at 7? UMass at New Mexico State. I don't care. The highlight of, of, of week zero. I don't care. <laughs> Sadly, I, I will care. <laughs> but, yeah. No problem. <laughs> 1-800-GAMBLING. <laughs> I 100% have a problem. No doubt in my mind. I, you know, I've been. You about- are actually the, the 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 gaming commissions were like, we you can't be a, a gambling sponsor because Brent has a problem. You know, what? I was <laughs> talking with my guy about 
trying to sponsor us and you know, but yeah, whatever. Anyway, no, but, he uh, was like, nah, fam. Yeah, he was. I've seen your, I've seen your, I've seen your betting slips. We're good. Remember that. Yeah. Remember that this this segment brought to you by Back Alley Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I've, I've been joking with my friends. This, this is going to be one of the most watched Notre Dame games of of all time because there's it's week zero. Everyone just wants to watch football. They're going to turn on that Notre Dame game in the background and just let it play throughout all four quarters and and watch that triple option. Whatever. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and tie it on the triple, man. That's hey, man. Football. Come on. That's you, baby. Tell your Davidson football right there. Come on. That's you. Actually, hey, real quick before we uh, timestamp, let's let's wrap up football with uh, two quick uh, high school highlights. I just saw, you know, Bearcat Journal retweet. Kel Woodburn and Gavin Grover had some touchdown catches this past week. Um, I'm sure we'll have more high school mentions uh, throughout the season. And then Emory Winston, a four-star tight end out of Georgia, class of 2025, have the Bearcat has the Bearcats in his final six. Uh, if you guys have anything else recruiting-wise, feel free to chime in. But Bearcats in the NFL, um, I'm going to say I thought it was pretty funny to see Tyler Scott get get pranked by his wide receiver room downtown Indianapolis at Hilarious. the steakhouse at the steakhouse thinking that he was going to take the full bill. Um, I, I imagine DJ Moore or someone stepped in and said, no, don't worry about it. We got you. But uh, that was pretty funny to see anything stick out to you guys, football recruiting or uh bear in the NFL wise. No, not really. I don't watch preseason NFL games. Huh. I mean, that's just storyline. I had a good little drive. Kind of I watched. Ending. I did watch the early part of the Bengals game to watch Dez primarily. Um, if it wasn't for penalties, he would have had him in the end zone five plays earlier. Like that drive lasted over ten minutes, not because yeah. it was just a grinded out drive. There were like yeah. five big plays on that drive, um, yeah. but because every time they made a big play, the Falcons' offensive line shit the bed yep. and set them back. And of course, that final stat line was show interception, and uh, that'll be all Falcons fans to be like, "Oh, you see, he threw a pick." But I mean, that was a good play by the uh, by the Bengals. So it was pass interference. Yeah, it was pass interference, but Asai tipping that ball up in the air after the debacle of the I don't the know AFC that that's team. how you redeem yourself from the AFC Championship game is getting a pick a pick in the uh, second preseason, preseason game. right? I think it's, it's all take a, building take for a the little man. More, take a little <laughs> more. Oh yeah. Um, Ivan Pace killing it. Trey Tucker, yeah. big big receiver down the mi- big reception down the middle. Aaron, anything? I was going to mention Trey Tucker, but you you kept going. Hey man, after you asked us, if one we guy had said he didn't care. You know, another guy chimed in. I was just trying to trying to wrap it up pretty quickly there. So that's that's Bearcats in the NFL. <laughs> Go ahead, timestamp that boy. Oh, sorry. Uh, that's the Quick Paper Supply timestamp, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company. For all your non-food products, Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. I'm I'm getting a bunch of alerts from your Twitter chat. Are you are you in a fight right now on the old uh, on the old X? I am. 
What? Some guy claiming he has deep connected sources inside the UC athletic department that's been saying wrong shit all day. That guy has um, 84 followers. Why are you even engaged? Tell, tell him you'll get because back to him I after the podcast you're on. Because I enjoyed Aaron. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> weird. Tell him you'll get back to him after the podcast. No, I'm arguing with him now. Oh, man. <laughs> That's why you didn't. Hey, care tell about him to tune in. Tell him to tune in, and we'll put him on. No, he won't. He won't admit to who he like. He claims that like you see, you you see is a client of his, and they pay his bills, but he hides behind a burner account. So you don't. That's you not. don't think that people just make burner accounts saying these types of things just to rile you up? Of course they do. That's why I stayed away all day, and then. Tonight, I was ready to fight, so I'm fighting. Just, but we're podcasting. They bring okay. me back in. <laughs> I could do more than one thing at a time. I just read the timestamp. Oh, shit. Uh, quick baby spot. <laughs> <laughs> that I was don't actually care about reading, in the NFL. I was actually reading a text message at that point in time. Okay. okay. Well, uh, it's time for a part that you're going to know a lot about. Well, first off, go ahead and send your next tweet. We'll mention two things basketball-wise. First off, gear day for the basketball team. Awesome. Those Jordan 13s were nasty. And, of course, Kenyon Martin in the comments. You're seeing James White saying we're back. Uh, It just further emphasizes the excitement. Yeah, of course, the whole apparel deal had a lot of, you know, backlash from certain people. But it's pretty cool seeing the gear roll in and it looked pretty doggone nice um gear day looked cool and then uh, aside from that there were a couple videos recently that, that that they put out i just wanted to ask around this this circle the two questions that they asked among the team and hopefully aaron and ryan are listening was that the first one was who is the best cook on the team the best chef on the team and the second one is who is most likely to miss the bus and the answers are kind of all over the place. A lot of John Newman's for missing the bus. That's got to be some sort of an inside joke. Uh, and then the best cook, it, it, Newman got a lot of, of responses there too. Kind of kind of all over the place on best cook. Around the room real quick. Aaron, I'm going to pass down to you. Who's best cook most likely to miss the bus out of the BCJ? Out of the BCJ? Let's go BBP. That's fine. Best cook to me easily. It's not even close. I can I can hold my own on the Blackstone. Thank you, you started very much. like you started cooking like six months ago. It doesn't mean it's not good, but there's an experience factor. It, 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 I don't care. I'm just I'm a saying. Cook than you, I'll, I, I'll bet five thousand dollars on that. I'm just saying, I make some good stuff on the Blackstone. Congratulations! If, that if we had a if we had a if we had a hibachi off, you'd be up Shit's Creek. No and five thousand dollars poorer. Yeah, bring it. I, I, I'm down for this blind taste test. Which one's better? We could set that up. I'm not. I don't have five thousand dollars. I work for Chad. Well, no, we can just do like a little oh, like. You, you know, might have zero dollars to keep it up. <laughs> no, we can do a little nice, you know, blind taste test. Royer, I was gonna pick Royer. He's got grace tasting eggs. He's always drinking. A he just all he, he would just serve uh, hard boiled eggs. That would be his thing. Uh, oh, I'm I'm taking Royer all the way. 
uh, most likely to miss the bus. I, I know what everyone's answer is going to be, but I'm going to throw myself under the bus because I have it's missed be you, numerous. Because you're going to have a wedding to go to. I've missed numerous buses <laughs> in the past. One was actually at a wedding. I was in California, right. Right. and I had to uh, – and I was trying to find a place to buy beer to, to bring back on the bus heading back, and it was me and, and three other guys, and we missed the bus. We had to Uber. Um it, it worked out, but yeah, I'm going to throw myself under the bus for missing the bus. But. I would have probably gone with you as well. Okay. All right. Fair. Fair. Very good. That's uh, that's talking basketball here on the BBP for the current team. Um, we've got questions about the uh, waivers and whatnot coming in the BBP mailbag, so we'll touch on those. But uh, recruiting real quick, uh, LeBaron Phylon cuts his list to Kansas, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Cincinnati. His final four, and then of course that's a dog fight right there. That's a that's yeah one expensive dog fight too. Uh, <laughs> if I'm looking at that, but uh, the um, and then of course Jace Richardson did confirm that he will be visiting the week of the Oklahoma game. Uh, Chad, anything more on those two recruitments or anything as far as it goes in recruiting basketball at all? Um. Not, not a ton. I mean, I, I do think uh, the info on LeBaron Phylon has been a little bit more positive of late. I wonder how much of that is connected to uh, him heading to linkier prep for his senior season. That is obviously uh, a UC-friendly location. <laughs> Whoa! That, that, that wasn't earlier. That was Royer's roommate. What up? Um... So, yeah, I do think that um, you missed it completely. Um, I do think that, you know, that's a uh, a situation where there's there's some traction. But, I mean, Alabama has kind of, you know, long been thought of as a, as a favorite for LeBaron since his decommitment from Auburn. Um, Kansas, you know, Kansas is Kansas. And they're probably number one right now. You look a lot better than you did last time you popped on the screen. I was filling up my water. <laughs> did my did my Your roommate popped roommate on coming here? Oh, yeah, yeah, he just popped on. He turned the camera on and off. Like real I quick. saw him run out of my room and like scurry away. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he needed some screen time. Yeah, he didn't say anything. It was like half a second. It was just like, I'm here and I'm not. <laughs> There he is. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're good. Uh, they're getting a little, a little brave. They're brave. Um, <laughs> and then Chris Beard and Ole Miss, like they will say and do anything. So right. that's that. That's a. I, I'd almost it rather be like Kentucky, Duke, and North Carolina than Alabama, Kansas, and Ole Miss. I mean, it. It just. And and I say that jokingly. I don't know if that's I, be like, like I half say it thing. jokingly, but like right. those are three schools. Like they they're, they're will do to throw around the bag everything yeah. it takes. Right. Yeah. And it's so. legal, so I'm not calling it cheating. I'm right. not saying it like anything like bad about it. But if those are the three schools you're in the final four with, whoo! You like <laughs> you better be ready. You better not come to a, a gun show with the knife. Yeah. Because there are going to be. Guys like this. <laughs> you, you better bring your own bag of, of weapons, too. Yeah, so. Um, he's really good. So, 
Are, yeah. is, is he the one that has a connection with with Jaden? Yeah, they played. Well? They both they both played for Team Thad uh, for a little while this summer, uh, this spring, and the beginning of the summer, and then Jaden. Uh, after he came back from like the team USA stuff played for a different team. There you go. Uh, do you think the Alabama effect of, of Phylon with Alabama, Jace obviously with Alabama, uh, do you think that has any effect on, you know, if, if say, you know, Phylon goes, goes Bama that helps its nice chances at Jace, or do you think both schools would be willing to bring on both players? My understanding is Bama plans to take two guards at the top of their roster. They're also in it for uh, Boogie Fland, who's uh, like top of the top of the board, five star. Um, the question then always becomes, and this is I, I saw it's a question on the the mailbag, I think too. Oh, okay. um, do those guys want to play together? Like, are you are you going to be able to get? Now they are a little different. Phylon is more of a like a pass first facilitator, like like point guard. Where Jace is a little bit more of a scorer. Like you could probably play them together and have two point guards on the floor. Um, but the question becomes like, do they want to go somewhere where there's another top forty type guard that's coming in, you know, right with them? Um, so. I, it's always hard to tell. Mm-hmm. It's always hard to tell, um, especially until we get into the visits and info really becomes a little bit clearer on what it's not. It, the info is there on how these kids feel about each school, but what will change when you start getting officials, who's prioritizing who, who is maybe getting that secondary like secondary love instead of the primary yeah. love does that make them like the board starts shuffling in two weeks because yeah unless you're xavier or unless you play in the big east when did when do kids get brought in to campus for fall visits football games right right and they get the red carpet they get the tailgate they get you know mm-hmm. the the whole nine yards and then you really start to get more of a clear understanding of, you know, who's got all the chips on the table, who doesn't, that type of stuff. Right. Um, and then, of course, you guys already mentioned it on the BCJ pod, but Tyler Betsy also visiting during the Oklahoma game. Um, I, 12 noon kickoff for that Oklahoma game. I don't think it'll affect the uh, the basketball visitors. Obviously, they'll probably be in Friday night, but, you know, it's always tougher. For a big football group to come in, especially they play on Friday night, right? They play on Friday night, and then they, they you know, if they're night. from if they're from any distance away, right? Then they have to get up at six o'clock in the morning and get on the road and get down here, and you don't really get the full experience because you got here late, and that it's, mm-hmm. it's noon makes it hard for, but for basketball. It should be yeah, right? Should be all right. Basketball. These are official visits for basketball. Yeah, so, so you they, fly them in early. Football are all unofficial visits. That's a different. It's a different thing. Uh, Robert Breslin asked if if Phylon's committed to an official visit. I haven't seen anything. There's no. They're working on a date. Like he yeah. is. My my understanding is he will official visit. We don't right. know when yet. All right. There we go. It'll be exciting to see. And, and basketball, obviously, we'll hear more as 
as the school year just started. Uh, so practice should be firing back up or workouts or whatever it is at this point. So um, there should be more, plenty more content coming that way uh, via the, the Go Bearcats men's basketball. So excited still for that. It's it's inching ever close. Um, but yeah, any more basketball? They, they had their first. They had their first workout. Like they are, they're allowed to go back into workouts when mm-hmm. school starts. School started today. They had their first workouts today. Baby, baby. So they're back at it. We are still not allowed to attend until the start of practice, beginning of October. It's the dumbest shit ever. Spray. Royer could claim that he walked onto the basketball team for for a week or two, and maybe he's got a year eligibility. Yeah, get us some footage. Got to get back on the gun, dude. Get the get the shooting stroke back a little bit. I like it. I like it. Um, But yeah, uh, let's anything more basketball, or we'll just hop in the old mailbag time stamp and mailbag, baby. No, we're we're probably two weeks away from like really basketball stuff getting. They had three weeks off essentially, right? So, right. once they get back up and running, we're, we're getting close to getting back on the basketball train. But it's just been a bit of a down period. Uh, let's go back to Quick Paper Supply. Hey, baby! Your, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next-day deliveries. Provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom-printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Hooray. (laughs) All right. One last time, did want to mention, uh, again, just as I throw it up there, Dinko Joe running his crazy deal. Thanks to Nico being on the show with us. Uh, if you go to Dinko Transmission, mention that Nico sent you, you get a free oil change. And if you are doing a service there at Dinko Transmission that costs you more than $200, you can get a free BCJ trucker hat while supplies last. Ooh. All right. Hooray. That all said, hopping into the football portion of the mailbag. Mailbag a little light today, but that's all right. We got two weeks before kickoff, so less than. Uh, how has Emery's intermediate throws looked towards the end of camp? If he can't make that awesome. throw, uh, if he can't make that throw, then teams will sit back to cover the deep ball. But does that open the run lanes that we're looking for? Uh, I can't. I couldn't tell you how his intermediate throws look towards the end of camp because he didn't practice towards the end of camp. So, out with a with a two. How did they look during camp? <laughs> <laughs> a lot better than the spring. He had. I thought. I thought there was one day where he had a similar problem that he had in the spring. Like in the spring, almost everything was high. Some of that was lack of talent and depth in the wide receiver room. Some of it was just not, you know, maybe being comfortable in the offense and maybe trying to do too much. Um, But when he missed, he often missed like well over the head of the wide receiver, which he didn't throw a lot of interceptions because his throws were, you know, way high. 
Um, he had one day of that, and then he had one day, which was Monday, a week ago today, where it rained like hard the whole practice, and they just the offense was terrible. Um, but you know, they tried to run their standard offense, they weren't doing what you would do in a rain setting, you know what I mean? Um, so really, those are the only two days that I thought he didn't throw well. Um, does he occasionally still make a bad throw? Sure. But that's like, everybody does that. Um, he throws a fantastic deep ball. The intermediate stuff is getting better as I think he is gaining more confidence that guys like Braden Smith and Xavier Henderson and D Wiggins and Donovan Ollie are going to be there in the right place open to make the catch. I think they were easier throws. Um, where I think, you know, in the spring, it felt like every receiver was covered on every route almost, except for D Wiggins and occasionally Donovan Ollie, where you're trying to maybe like juice a ball into a tight spot and you throw it hot. Um, he has made the the throws where like guys are open and running across the middle of a zone or running across the middle of an area where there's not a defender. He looked good on those throws. So that's what I focused on more than, you know, um, th th some of the other like concerns that we had. Uh, so I, I do think the wide receiver room, as it improved, Emory Jones' ability to throw over the middle also got a lot better. <laughs> Funny how that works, isn't it, Ryan? When you're throwing to open guys, you can throw an easier ball than when you're trying to squeeze it in with uh, yeah. a safety over the top and a corner right Less on the is guy. more. Less is more. One of the comments that he made that stood out to me was that uh, early in camp, he said he was trying to see what his receivers could do. So he would throw – some a, a little bit off place balls to try and see if the receiver could still make I the catch. Or, I don't. You don't think so? No. Ryan. He said he was. He said he was testing Braden. Ryan. Specifically, I, that's very hard. That's like I throw a bad like, ball on purpose. No, that's not. That's a like. That's like top tier NFL quarterbacks in the NFL or of all right. time. That's that kind of. That's some Rogers. Not stuff. saying that he, he's. He might he might be telling the truth. I don't know, but this that's very difficult. Um, I didn't I see know. it, so I can't speak on it fully. But that's my like opinion. I said, it just it just stood out to me a little bit. If he was actually able to do that, I, I thought that was yeah, that would be really impressive. High level shit. Point. Yeah, sure. More power to him if that's what he was doing. I don't. I don't. Come on. I don't. He's trying to get in tune with the off. Like it wasn't like he like. If that would be something if, like, you were Dez in year four trying to figure out, like, what you had in Trace or uh, Tyler Scott. Like, I was testing Tyler Scott to see what he had in him. At the beginning of camp, like, your first and only camp here, you're throwing bad balls on purpose. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Maybe right. like, here's, here's what I'll give you on that, Aaron. Maybe, like, throwing on air – like when it's just quarterback and receiver, no DBs, not one-on-ones, not seven-on-seven, seven, then I could see, like, that's a possibility, right? Like, okay, it's just me and the receiver. There's nobody – there's no defense. It was, I'm going to see how high he can go to get it, something like that. It was the first Saturday of higher ground, so who knows what kind of stuff they've been doing 
I know, but I'm saying, or, like, or, you get what I'm I mean, saying, right? Like, it made yeah. it would make more sense in like a one on O situation than like we were in team, and I'm trying to like, like, get I'll let it, I didn't make this up. This, I'm just I repeating. Know. What I said. didn't say you did. We're talking it out, Aaron. It's a podcast. That's what we do. How did the staff like the facilities at higher ground? Was it better than what they had experienced in the past? Uh, we we did ask Nico that at length. Go back to the beginning of this podcast if you did want those answers. Anything it. you want to add there, Chad? They loved it. It's the same as every staff that goes out there for the first time and realizes everything's first class. Like I, what people think when they hear about what it is – is that no way that it's better than or on par with what we have back on campus. So they want to be on campus because they have the nutrition and the training room and, you know, the, all, all the, the, the weight room, all the bells and whistles. So they don't want to go away from that and give up like, like the advantages that they have of being on campus. And then they get out there and they realize they've been building this place for 25 years with this specific thing like in mind as they continue to build the place. And then we're like, oh shit, we get everything that we have back there out here and also get a bunch of other amenities on top of it. So yeah, everybody loves it. Nico's got room 104 reserved from now until eternity. I wouldn't fight him for it. Could you imagine being in that room and Nico showed up with the key? Sweet 104. Sorry, sir. We're how many stu- out. How many student athletes will get over 70 tackles over under four and a half? How many student athletes will Why be a are part they of student athletes? <laughs> it's <murk>. How <laughs> many how many st- how many student athletes will be a part of a touchdown throwing, rushing, receiving, returning? They can only count once over under 18 and a half. It's the Big 12, so their teams run a lot of plays. I'll go at least five guys with 70 tackles. I think I think Pace gets 70. At least. Pace got Threats, Pace. Threats gets 100. Both linebackers. Uh, yeah, Debo and, and Dingle get over 70. Um, I'm curious how, how much the new time clock rules will affect how many plays are run per game. That's fair. I think that's fair. I, I think they simulated that and, and it was like it, it was like a difference, but not a huge difference. You know what I mean? But, but I over the course of the season, no when you're game, looking at yeah. when you're looking at 13 games, say you're dropping off 15 plays. Yeah, I think they said it was like something like for each offense, it was like five plays or something like that. Five to five to ten. But I mean, if you're running 70 70 plays and now you're only running 60 that's significant in terms of over over right. the course of a that's season that's 100 year. you know or it's 85 90 tackles right and it, for for reference and obviously Ivan Pace completely blew this number out of proportion but only three players had 70 or more last year um yeah but Ivan made all the tackles <laughs> and, right. and then the year before but then the year before there was five that were 70 or more. I'll go under. I'll go four. I, I, you, you guys talked me into it. The two linebackers, Debo and, and Dingle, threats and pace. Those are the 20, guys that make 70 or more tackles. 2019, again, only three 
70 or more. So I'll go under just, I, I I'm very curious to see what this new time clock and, and even time clock management looks like this season. 70s. Yeah. It seems like a lot. And then eight, 18 and a half. He said uh, 18 and a half on the second one. Yes. For touchdowns. A of a touchdown throwing, rushing, receiving, returning, and I don't know if that also includes a pick six or a fumble recovery. I'd imagine it would. Um, um, yeah, like any part of a touchdown. Right. Uh, how many? 18.5? 18.5. Under. I'm also it under. Like it seems like a shit ton. Yeah. I mean, I, I I do think there's a lot of depth in that wide receiver room. I'd say there might be, what, seven guys there to catch a touchdown. Uh, two tight ends, that's eight, nine. Um, 28, 2018 at 13. Two quarterbacks, yeah, potentially. Number. It's a way high number, 18 and a half. If, if Emery, I don't know that Emery will have, be the quarterback at every touchdown if – garbage time against a Western Kentucky or Miami, Ohio. Yeah, that's a high number. 15 in 2021. I mean, what, are we, like, Bryce Burton's going to score a touchdown? (laughs) Fire, fire. (laughs) If he does, we get the exclusive interview, so. For sure. For sure. (laughs) Did you watch my interview with Bryce, Ryan? I saw the Instagram highlight. I didn't watch the full. He, he said he kept asking him questions. Yeah, yeah, I took a couple shots at you at the end. Yeah. I opened the door. I there opened the go. door, let him walk He in. loves talking shit about me, too. So. I know. That's why he's I good at it. He's good at it. He's funny. He's, he, I know. I love He's Bryce. a good ball buster, man. Yeah. 16 players last right. year. This, yeah, I'm taking the under. Under. I think we're all in on the under. Uh this Bearcat football team most closely reminds you to the Bearcats of 2008, 2012, 2018, or gulp, dot, 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 2016. They're not 2018. I can tell you that. 08 is interesting. 08 is interesting because that was a team that had a great defense. Um, that was, if you remember – so Mark D'Antonio's first year, they were very senior laden, that team, which would have been 04, I think. A lot of red shirts. The next year, they were the youngest starting defense in college football. Four years later would have been 2008. So Barwin, Mickens, D'Lo, like that 2008 team, although they were known for Brian Kelly's offense – was a defense first squad. Um, and then as things got cooking, the offense carried things until the Orange Bowl when Tony thought he played for Virginia Tech. Um, <laughs> I would go 08. Like, the, you know, remember Ben Mock? Like, there was the Ben Mock saga all the way through that offseason. Um, Marty really, like in 07, Marty Marty wasn't great. No. Uh, like Bones, I, I think Bones had a better 07 than Marty did. Yeah, Bones regressed. Yeah. So I'll go 08. 
there were questions on offense. We we thought the defense was going to be really good um, as the offense like got going. That season kind of took off. Would you would you say maybe more two thousand seven year one BK kind of you know ten and three maybe. had a maybe. big road. I mean a big victory at a conference. Maybe you know. Oh, oh seven, well they had a transfer quarterback. Yep, transfer quarterback went to a bowl you know, game. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a seven, but that wasn't the question that was asked. Right, right. Yeah, out of those, I mean, not 2016. I'm never going to say that. <laughs> Luke didn't tell the fans to get a job, so so 12. I don't remember just off the top of my head. I don't remember a ton about. Was that Munchie or Calaris? What year one? Was that year, year one? Year one of Butch uh, was 10. Yeah. 11, 12. So it was Butch's last year. They split a Big East championship, I think. 2012, 10 and 3. Uh, was that Gunner? No, that was, no, Mun- uh, Brandon that was Munchie. No, that was Munchie with the, the win at Virginia Tech. Okay. Mm, 12 might be interesting. 12 might be an interesting comparison. I'd have to look at that 12 roster. It was, yeah, Munchie and then and then Kay played a lot though. I think Kay came on at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the Belk Bowl game. Travis Kelsey, baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that is the end of the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion. Would we take both Jason LeBaron in the same class? I don't know if there's any more sure. I wanted to add on. Sure. Would they come here with Day-Day and Jizzle already in the fold? That seems like a stretch. They're all they're all four guards, like guards. Like you're not playing like sure one of them could play off the ball, but like they're guards. I I just I don't see I don't see Day-Day Jizzle Jason LeBaron on the same roster. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There's only so many minutes and balls to go around. And on the wings, you've got skillings. The dogs are fighting. It's bedtime for Kelsey, so the dogs are now downstairs. Um, on the wings, you you know, you're 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 pretty full on the wings with CMOS and CJ and Rayvon and Skillings and like it, it, it's crowded. Anything to add there, Brent? Nope. All right. It's Just to clarify, have the waivers for Reynolds and Aziz been submitted to the NCAA yet? And if not, what is the strategy slash reason for holding off? Uh, there's not going to be decisions until like mid to late October, early November. They're getting after it. <laughs> um. What what good does it do to you to submit a if there's still you're gathering information you're putting your case together you're dealing with doctors and you know mental health specialists if you know there's not going to be a decision until October like nobody's going to win an award for turning their waiver claim in first the only objective here is to win the waiver claim like it. Oh, well, we turned ours in in September. We turned ours in in August. So we should get 
we should get it's not free agency like it's not the draft like being first doesn't mean anything so like th- this notion that like uc is doing something wrong by making sure that their case is rock solid and they have all of the information compiled uh is silly like i, I what what else like what what good does it do to turn it in right now it also pushes back the appeal clock too which a little bit is another thing to think about. Well, but not really though, Brent, because it doesn't the appeal clock doesn't start until the NCAA rules. Right. The NCAA's right. not ruling until October or early November at the start of the season. Right. Like whether you turned it in in August or you turn it in next week, you're still going in the same pile that's going to get decided yeah. in that window. Why well, didn't know? And maybe they... you learned something from a football case. Right. True. Like maybe one of the football cases gets denied and goes to appeal and there's something that's used in appeal that now the kid is eligible. Oh, well, good thing we didn't turn ours in because now we can include what happened in the appeal in our initial claim. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't have to go to appeal or like it's it's strategic to kind of hold off and see what's happening. An unknown strategy. Who knows? No one. Knows. Well, no, it's not an unknown strategy. It's it's. I, well, no, just like, on, but an unknown because you don't know what the NCAA is going to say. It, like, that's the un, you're right. creating a strategy for the unknown, but you got to create right. a strategy nonetheless. Well, but you're creating it for more of a known if you wait right. while these football cases are being decided. Exactly. Okay, now there's precedent. Now we see what's working, what's not working. Like, it's, 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 it law. is wild that that's law. Like, that's what, like, waivers and appeals they're all law technically yeah it's it's wild that the football team didn't take on any two-time transfers that weren't grad students i mean d wiggins is two-time transfer but he was a grad student so i mean it's insane i wonder i wonder if that was by design to not have to deal with any of this but yeah um or, or they just didn't have anyone that was they thought could really have, like, let's be honest about it. They took these two guys because they think they can make the roster significantly better. Right. Not sure. kind of better, not a little better, but significantly better. That's why you take, and Aziz came so late in the process after Micah was gone and there was a scholarship open. Like, what, what, name a better player you were going to be able to get than Aziz at that point in the, you know, in the, the process. There wasn't any. So. That ends the basketball portion of the mailbag. The last portion. Only one question in the banks. Coming from Skins. Rapid fire. Should I buy Aaron a Yeti cooler or fix his AC in his car since he doesn't want skunky since he lights beer? Yeti cooler. Hey, I'm trying to get how, you a Yeti man. cooler, Aaron. How much you got left, Aaron? A 12 pack. Nice, nice. I, Yeti, I think, uh, yeah, I think the, we gotta get you. Let's get the AC fixed, but I guess it's already fall pretty much. So. Well, the, the AC, the AC also, uh, there's apparently a recall on my Honda Civic. Um, <laughs> so it potentially could be fixed by that. So I have to oh. call that in. I got you that. Know what I, mail, so. I saw this this thing that you like put in an air vent and it like you put ice in it, creates AC for you. Could be a could be worth it. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go ahead and make that TikTok, and I'm going to not put ice in mine. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. We'll see. Uh, top bunk or bottom bunk? Bottom. I never liked the top bunk either. Yeah, I was always scared I was going to hit my head on the ceiling or fall out. <laughs> fall out like that. Like I, I have no interest in waking up on the floor after a six foot fall. No, <laughs> yeah. thank you. I'm I had I, I had pot bunk. My we did potluck because I was the last last second college decision. You know, I was always going to go D one and in something that's not just sports. But uh, anyway, I uh, last second decision top bunk with a potluck guy. Welcome week. I fell off and it was just yeah. horrible. I told him I we got to take. I think I said we got to take these bunk beds down, bro. I, I'm not sleeping up there anymore. And then of course my my haunted nightmare came back. Family reunion. A few weeks ago, or a month ago, Aaron, where I drove through Athens, there I was again, back up in the Tom bunk. This time I was a little nervous, you know, heavy, heavy boy over here. I was, I was like, am I gonna break? Am I gonna break this thing and smash my sister underneath me? I was like, no. Man, 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 kills sister from Tom bunk. I was, I was nervous. <laughs> I was nervous, but I was like, you know, I. I was multiple. It'd be one of those, uh, one of those Reddit TikTok. Yes. What's the worst thing that ever happened to you? Family yeah. reunion. You guys seen Step Brothers? My yeah. sister was on the bottom bunk. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but there was so much room for activities. <laughs> it was, but yeah, bottom bunk, thousand percent. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going top bunk. I didn't have issues with it in the dorms. I, as a kid, I had a bunk bed, and I was on yeah, top bunk's fine. Well, but now they've got bunk beds that you can like sl slide down from the top. A and little change that I'm, I'm on the top bunk. I know. I'm also like, almost forty. I'm not going to be riding a slide a clean down. Bed on the bottom, and then the top is like a little little falling. No, absolutely like, not. Let me think about it. Uh, are you a morning or a night person? We do this podcast until like eleven thirty every night. Like night. I'm a night a night owl. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, the freaks stay up late at night. That's us. That's us, baby. <laughs> like oh, I yeah. always hear those people say nothing good has ever happened after midnight, and I'm like, man, I got fucking. That's what I do every. <laughs> Let's start a list of <laughs> all the good things that happened to me after. Midnight. But you know what? After that second <laughs> cup of coffee, I become a morning person pretty damn quick. I'll, I'll I, I mean, I, I can I. I've never had a wake up problem. Like I could be up until four and if I have to get up at seven, I'll be up at seven and get my shit done. Like I'm fine. But if I had to pick it's night. Yeah. yeah I, have a, I have a wake up problem. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Stay up to the birds chirp. Don't wake up when the birds are chirping you know, type thing. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Uh, Follow-up question, assuming Chad uses some of his sweet YouTube revenue to reboot the classic Golden Girls, who from BCJ plays what role? What is this? The golden, You've never seen the Golden Girls, Royer? No. Oh, Me neither. Royer. What? All right, Ryan. You, your, your job before the next podcast is to watch at least two or three episodes of the Golden Girls. <laughs> what is it? Is it... I know it's Betty it. White's in it, but that's about yeah, all. It's, it's, it's four old chicks. women. It's four old women in a in a Florida retirement community. <laughs> One of them is like the the ringleader, and mm -hmm. then her mom, and then the slut, 
and then the like sweet innocent old like grandma type it was it was it was like the geriatric version of sex in the city yeah yeah 80 85 to 92 oh yeah it's it's a classic it's a fucking classic those were the years it ran and their ages right oddly enough (laughs) betty white just died like she did that show in the 90s as an old woman and just died like last year how was she 100 yeah yeah well and fucking hilarious you got last day i'm dorothy for sure I For don't sure. even know how to argue because I don't know what. Uh, Aaron is Sophia. Dorothy is Bia Arthur. Okay. Yeah, B. Arthur. Yeah. Aaron is Sophia. Is is that the slut? No, that's the old lady, like the mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Always angry. Always kind of like on edge. Like, yeah, you, you can't have any problem with being Sophia. You're Sophia. You know you're Sophia. I- I have a different persona here than I do in real life. You get that, right? I don't think you do. <laughs> um, don't fight Brent with people on Twitter. Brent is definitely Betty White. Am I wrong, Aaron? Sweet and innocent. Yeah, like, but not. Ooh. But like, Betty White wasn't sweet and innocent, but she was sweet and innocent. Like. And then I guess that makes Royer uh, Blanche. <laughs> she was Ew. from the South. She was very racist. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> they had episodes me, about it. They had episodes about it. Oh, like God. where she would have to deal with black people and be like really, really uncomfortable. And like, this is, had to this come is where... to. No, no, no. She had like, they, like part of the show was she had to come to uh, like, realization that like her upbringing her childhood like she was like not that this is you they take you out of this but it was <laughs> yeah. part of the show thank you for clarifying that but it was part of the show that she had to like like come to terms with the fact that oh i was raised wrong like i might have been i might have been raised fucked up <laughs> um she learned but you're the only one left and i like all so right brent I- get us out of here <laughs> <laughs> You're charming. You're definitely yeah. not Southern by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> and it comes at this time of the night that we say a big shout out and a big thank you to Nico Palazzetti. It felt like it was a, that was like a week ago that Nico was on here, but man, that, was, that was fun. That was fun. Um, shout out, of course, Danco Joe. One more time. Let's 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 let the crew know. Let's let the crowd know. Danco Joe is giving you guys one bang of a buck right now that's right free free oil change if you head in to danco transmission and auto care only for the next week you say nico sent me and then of course you get a free bcj trucker hat while supplies last you got to say nico sent you that's calling in doing what you can but yeah danco transmission and auto care big shouts out to them shout out of course to quick paper supply uh for you know, sponsoring timestamps and always being here with us. Anything else from you, knuckleheads, before we uh, sign this one out? Ryan, I can't wait to hear your review of uh, at least one episode of The Golden Girls. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> well, 
look forward to that one next week. And, of course, look forward to uh, the start of college football. <laughs> week week zero is upon us. College football is back, baby. So, uh, hey, it's going to be an awesome week. Stay locked in as we get ready. EKU coming in less than two weeks. But uh, for my guys, my pals, my partners, my, my Monday night brothers, that's right, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, and Ryan Royer, and Brent Young. Yet again, another fantastic BVP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya.